Welcome to Earth2.net the show, episode 1141. Just so you know, the following segment involving Star Wars films does include spoilers. From the one that everyone knows, up to Snape Kills Dumbledore. So, if you haven't seen the most recent Star Wars films and don't want to be spoiled, despite the fact this is being published on a site with the tagline, Geek Culture at its Finest, then don't come crying to me. Got it? Right. Enjoy! As some day it may happen that a victim must be found, I've got a little list, I've got a little list. He's got a little list, he's got a little list, and they've got a little list. everyone, and welcome back to the Flick Charts Forum on Earth2.net. As ever, I am your host, Ian Wilson, and we're looking at today a franchise that growing up meant absolutely nothing to me. But 40 years ago, that's right, 40 years ago, a film called Star Wars Return of the Jedi, possibly just Return of the Jedi, came out in May I'm trying to get this out for May the 4th, but that wasn't actually when it was released. It was May the 25th, so Wikipedia tells me. Bastion of truth. And up until uh, a certain period of time, it should be said that Return of the Jedi was seen as the worst Star Wars film ever. (laughs) Now, since 1983, a fair few other Star Wars films have been released. Therefore... I wanted to write this wrong and this terrible slur upon this film because, as it happens, there are now, upon counting, 11 Star Wars films that Disney Plus count as legit films. We can argue about the Clone Wars. We can argue about the Holiday Special. We can argue about Caravan of Courage. But that's an argument I don't have the time to even start with. So, I'm ignoring it. But I have picked out two people who know a hell of a lot more about Star Wars than I do, and it's a rare pairing. And we're going to start off (laughs) with uh, a man who was previously on the Flickchart Forum with regards to the science fiction double feature uh, list of films from the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and that is Old Man Toland himself, Dan Toland. Yay, thank you. I'm not getting paid to be here. 
No, you're not. <laughs> and I'm making you do this as you're worried with a sore throat as well. Yeah. <laughs> as is my want. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, uh, again, you've recorded a fair amount on Star Wars things mm-hmm. over the years. Yes. But I, I suppose with regards to the newer uh, franchise, because obviously Star Wars was kind of revived after George Lucas finally had his say mm-hmm. in the, the mid-90s. Uh, ten years later, uh, with a brand new trilogy uh, and two Star Wars stories and various TV shows. Overkill much, or have you kept up with basically everything? I have largely kept up with most of it. Um, I have had trouble getting into Andor. Not that it's bad. I actually think it's quite good. It's just the tone is a little off for me, personally. I just I will get back to it. I just haven't yet. But by and large, I've actually quite enjoyed the uh, sequel era of Star Wars. Okay. Is that largely TV or film or overall? All of the above. All of the above. Right, yeah. see Cool. And uh, joining us, uh, someone who rarely works with Dan Toland... It is the head honcho of Earth2.net. It is Michael David Sims. Hello. Who, um, in our near 20 years of friendship, uh, I first knew as Master Yoda. Damn right. So, <laughs> fair, fair to say you've, you've been a Star Wars fan for a while. A little bit. Yes, quite so. <laughs> uh, same question to you, I suppose. Um, because, again, you and Dan have covered... Uh, in some shape or form, all of the first two trilogies, and then you also did cover The Force Awakens, um, I think before episode 1000, but, so it's been a fair while, is what I'm saying. So, um, what are you thinking about the kind of, um, resurgence of Star Wars media? I am so glad that it's there. I don't think it's overkill at all. Um, you know, at some point it will taper off, but I'm glad that Star Wars is there for a whole new audience. I'm not following along with it. Um, I watched, I want to say the first couple episodes of The Mandalorian when they came out and I can't watch it because anytime baby Yoda is in danger and Mando has to try to find him, my anxiety goes through the fucking roof. So (laughs) I literally like my parental need to protect a child is like, no, get the baby back. What's the, what to do with the baby? But so I really, I legit can't watch the Mandalorian (laughs) as much as I want to. (laughs) And when it comes to Kenobi, I want to watch that, but I haven't same with Andor. And, you know, then, of course, the sequel movie. So, yeah, I'm kind of out um, of Star Wars fandom at the moment. And that's not because I'm down on it at all. Um, it's just I'm just not keeping up with it. But I am so glad that, you know, when Dan and I were, you know, between the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy, all there were, if you wanted to, if you were a fan of Star Wars, all there were were comics and the books, right? But now if you want to be a fan of Star Wars, you can do that. Those are still there, the Legends books and the current ones. But now you have all these great TV shows. So like I said, I'm just over the moon that there's more Star Wars for people to enjoy. And you can enjoy part of it or you can enjoy all of it, whatever you want. Because I was going to touch upon that because, um, again, as I'd love to remind you both, 
much younger than both of you. <laughs> and uh, I didn't grow up with Star Wars. Uh, the original trilogy was before I was born. And more so, however, is that in my first 10, 12 years of existence, I was aware of Star Wars, but it was something that was very much before my time. It's like I was aware of um, the uh, Darth Vader twist because of The Simpsons. Um, the the whole joke is, uh, wow, I can't believe Luke Skywalker is Darth <laughs> Vader's son. It's like, oh, great, you jerk, you ruined the movie. Um, but again, it, it wasn't something that I grew up with. And because of, of all the things of the 80s that kind of, remained prevalent so things like he-man and thundercats and the turtles it's like that kind of 80s stuff did get to me but star wars was kind of more late 70s i'd appreciate again as i say return of the jedi was 1983 but unless you were doing as mike says if you were unless you were engaging in the comics or the novels then it's not something you necessarily grew up with or had any kind of cultural feeling about. Um, same with uh, Doctor Who, um, for a large part, because, yes, it was there in the, the late 80s, uh, in my formative years, but in the 90s, where I was starting to pay attention to media, it wasn't. So it was when uh, The Phantom Menace came around that people were like, Star Wars! Star Wars is back! Hooray! Star Wars! Yay! Um, so I, I went out and watched the prequel trilogy, because, uh, you know, excuse to go to the cinema. Sure, I'll, I'll watch whatever. Um, and But I didn't have a, a kind of nostalgia for it. Mm-hmm. And so it was something that was interesting to go into and watch, but... I wasn't like Simon Pegg in 1999, (laughs) um, where, and I wasn't watching Spaced at the time either, but I'm very much aware that the second series of Spaced is just this massive Simon Pegg rant about how (laughs) fucking rubbish the Phantom Menace is. Yes. Um, and so, and so I, I just take it from there. I fall into a geek crowd, um, online and suddenly learn like, all, all of this lore and everything like this and um um and his son lumpy and things like that <laughs> but uh yeah so it's kind of interesting going through this franchise without the kind of nostalgia element and uh and also without disney plus so i'm not watching any of the tv um i have the option to because pandy's got an account for me but uh, there's only so many hours in the day. So, um, yeah, so by and large, I only really know the films. And when I say no, I've watched all of them twice, apart from Solo, which I watched for the first time for the purpose of this. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's me. Yeah, but to your point, Ian, um, like, you know, you say, yes, you know, you grew up knowing all the, the 80s franchises and what have you. Uh, which I totally get, but the eighties aren't the eighties without star Wars, you know, like almost everything that you mentioned is touched by star Wars in some way. Oh, I'm sure it was. Yeah. 
like I always used to say, like no, nobody will who wasn't there will ever understand what it was like to be a Star Wars fan when it was happening. Oh my god, it was huge! It was everywhere. Except that's not true. Uh, it's like it, it was like kind of like Harry Potter, you know, where it's just like it seems like everybody between the ages of X and Y just was obsessed with it yeah. for as long as it was around. And yes. even now, years after it's over, people are still like you know remembering it and. There's a certain number of people that are kind of still, you know, this is my house and you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is the scarf that. I knitted and you know, yeah. that sort of thing. <laughs> it's the same kind of thing. You know, it was just, it was just when it was happening, it was omnipresent. It was like wallpaper. It was everywhere all the time. Yeah. No, that's absolutely true. And um, I mean, I, cause I fit into that age demographic, the Harry Potter mm-hmm. um, wasn't quite, I wasn't so big on it that I had my own house. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am the one person of my immediate family who hasn't been to the Harry Potter experience just outside of London. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, fuck, I'm going to now a days. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't like giving bad creators money. And sure. that's as far as I'm going to go right. with that can of worms. But uh, we're here to talk about Star Wars. And so the format of the Flick Chart Forum is to go through uh, our rankings of all of the filmic Star Wars films and uh, rank them. And depending on where they come within the list, they will be assigned points. And uh, in addition to us having our own singular lists, the points will determine where they go in a master list. And... With regards to how I want to play it this time around, normally we'll go from worst to best. That being said, I have a feeling that the top few aren't going to be very controversial. Therefore, I have decreed uh, (laughs) that we are going to go from best to worst. And I'm going to go from uh, people with more experience than me first and me last. So we're going to start where, with Mr. Toland. So Dan, yes. what is the very top of your list of the 11? I, I dearly hope that you've got 11 films. <laughs> I do, yes. Excellent. <laughs> uh, what is the top of your list of the 11 Star Wars movies? Okay, the best one, it's not my favorite, but the best one is Empire Strikes Back. The Empire Strikes Back from yes. uh, 1980. Yes. Alrighty, hey. Cool. And Mike, what's about the top of your list? Rogue One. Rogue One. Okie dokie, okie dokie. That is uh, the first uh, Star Wars story, and that is from 2016. Okay, and as for me, I stuck uh, The Empire Strikes Back at the top of my list as well. So, once again, Mike is the blocker. <laughs> which just so ha- don't do it on purpose. Which just so just so happens to be a Harry Potter reference. Um, <laughs> okay, so uh, Dan, number two on your list. Uh, number two is Star Wars. Uh, Star Wars: A New Hope. Yes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Star Wars. Um <laughs> I was waiting for like how soon this argument was gonna yeah, be called this movie. <laughs> I have literally no fucks to give with regards to yeah. that. That is fair. So, Good. I I don't care. Uh right. So uh Mike, number two on your list. Empire. 
Empire. So, a not quite perfect score, but uh, that's 29 points for The Empire Strikes Back. It ain't going to be beaten. So, uh, it's the middle part of the original trilogy, and it really um, puts flesh on the bone to a lot of the story beats of the original film, and makes uh, Darth Vader quite the badass. Yes, uh, who should we start? Let's start with Dan. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure that Empire Strikes Back needs me to, to like... <laughs> Like, you know, convince people it's good. Um, <laughs> as you say, it is easily just the best constructed story. Uh, certainly of the original trilogy, probably of the whole franchise. It's the best directed. Like, it looks great. The acting is generally superior in that movie than it is to any of the others. Uh, the story is a lot more complex, a lot more layered. And honestly, it is by far the best Darth Vader experience you're going to have in a movie where he's just, you know, he, he, he has superiors, but he's not really dealing with them at any point in this movie other than a quick scene with the Emperor. Otherwise, he's just absolute, just unstoppable juggernaut of badassery in this movie. And it's like one of those little things, but it's also just far and away the best performance that James Earl Jones gives for him. Uh, purely vocal uh, performance. Yeah, it is. But it's it's a it's a tremendous vocal performance. Yeah, because um, as everyone knows, uh, Darth Vader was uh, physically portrayed by uh, David Prowse, he was. a uh, Cornish um, bodybuilder uh, with a long-standing film career, but you don't hire him for his. Um, speech Mm-mm. because uh he's from yokel country yes uh quite near to where stavros lives <laughs> and um <laughs> that is very much an intended slight um <laughs> but uh <laughs> i i say it because, um I, I just wanted to point out that um again when if, if, if you ever actually use flip chart um it's interesting because it had its heyday 13 years ago like most internet sites. Um, but um, uh, with regards to how it has ranked everyone who's ever used it, it has uh, Star Wars A New Hope uh, number one and Empire Strikes Back as number two, uh, to which I say, oh, come on, grow up. There are better films. But <laughs> at the same time, you can understand why people would prefer the more adventure-based, optimistic original film over The Empire Strikes Back where things don't really go to plan uh, Mm. or don't go very well for our protagonists but at the same time it it doesn't have any of the kind of lull periods that the first film has Mm -hmm. like the first film has 20 minutes of robots walking through a desert like (laughs) okay this is a sci-fi film. <laughs> I mean, I suppose they're robots, but get a move on. Um, but here you have, as you said, the best kind of exposure of Darth Vader. Obviously, that killer reveal, which is probably, uh, by all means, um, suggest something else if, if you can think of one. But uh, one of the best, or if not first, one of the best... Uh, twists in cinema history. 
Okay. <laughs> you know the reveal I'm talking about, obviously. Um, and, um, yeah. Wait, that it, little guy, that little guy is Yoda? <laughs> 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 he was Yoda the whole time? Oh, you funny guy, you. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's a lot to recommend it by, and especially because it doesn't really fall back on aerial battles and, and such like. It's a lot more kind of, character focused and um relies on uh driving through uh, story thematics so um a lot to recommend it by uh mike go for it so yeah everything you guys have been saying of course but i think what puts empire so high up there for me um is that you can absolutely watch it as a standalone movie yeah. without having seen Star Wars before it. It helps. It definitely does. But no shade on the original Star Wars movie, but it's pretty bare bones. You know, I mean, there's a lot going on. Obviously, it spawned the franchise. That's literally why we're here today. Um, but you can go into The Empire Strikes Back really just, you know, if, if it's 1980, what was this, 81 or 80? 80. When is Okay, you you could just sit down at the cinema not knowing who any of these characters were, just having heard the hype, and enjoy the hell out of this movie, you know, because it's already a lived-in world, you know, but it's not so lived-in that you feel blocked off from it, if that makes sense, you know. But if you did see Star Wars before it, it builds upon what was there in so much as Luke is so much more confident but he's still fucking Luke Skywalker. <laughs> like, dude, learn how to be patient, please. <laughs> you know, um, Han is, is, is such a, is, is so much more a deeper character than he was before. You know, he is 100% with the rebels, but he's got to run because he's got this stupid bounty on his head, right? He doesn't want to run. He wants to be with his friends. He wants this fight, you know, but he's got to go. You know, Leia isn't given much, unfortunately, and that that's a shame. But then the world gets further fleshed out with the addition of Yoda, of course, who is awesome, and Lando, you know. And then, of course, the big reveal, and you see how it's all tied together. And then, obviously, it ends on this major fucking downer that, you know, we'll get to when we, when we speak about Jedi and how that's resolved there. So, yeah, for me, it really comes down to that I think you could just watch Empire without having seen Star Wars before it. You know, it's it's beautiful. Uh, the music, I mean, <laughs> I don't want to keep falling back on the music of this franchise because mm-hmm. the music of this franchise is just fucking killer, but especially in this movie, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, I mean, no matter if I'm just having this play in the background while I'm doing something else or what, whenever I'm watching this, I have to stop what I'm doing and watch the moment when Luke and Vader confront each other just for the colors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the lighting is just like when Luke comes up and everything's just, you know, Vader, Vader isn't even there yet. Luke's just looking around. Just, just the, the, the beauty of that shot. Luke, Luke kind of looking back over his shoulder is just, you know, I'm not saying this because I'm a Star Wars fanboy. You have to study that scene at the very least if you want to be a filmmaker mm-hmm. because it's just that damn beautiful. So that's, that's where I'll leave it. And another thing about this movie that I think sometimes doesn't get uh, discussed very often is the characterization of Han Solo, where you get the impression that Harrison Ford's being allowed to do more with him. And he's becoming a little bit more three dimensional in that 
He's not. He's Han is not a badass. Han is a dork <laughs> with no idea what the fuck he's doing. He just he just he just bluffs and lucks his way into not dying at the end of every encounter he has. And this is kind of the movie yeah. where that kind of gets sharpened, you know. Um, and that's that's something that I really appreciate about that character. Yeah, the only time, I won't say the only, but one of the few times Luke, excuse me, Han is an actual badass is in this movie when you get the reveal that Lando had to strike the deal with the Empire, the door opens up, Vader's there, and Han just unleashes his blaster. Mm -hmm. And of course, Vader blocks the shots, pulls the blaster away, Boba Fett steps in the shot. That's like, Han doesn't even think, he just pulls his gun and starts shooting but it's, he knows it's a losing battle, but he has to do it. Yeah. But that's one of the few times where I would actually say he's – I'm not trying to argue with you, but that's like – because I'm agreeing with you. I'm just saying there's one moment where it's like, yeah, that's badass though. Yeah. You know? But you are 100% correct. Yeah. Yeah. Can't add much more to that. So um, I'll just uh, go on to give my own number two pick, and that is the original Star Wars, mm-hmm. A New Hope. Yes. Uh, right. Round three. Over to you, Dan. Uh, number three is Last Jedi. Number three is The Last Jedi, which is the middle film from the sequel trilogy from 2017. Mike, what is your number three? The Force Awakens. The Force Awakens. Right. Okay. Uh, that is the first film from the sequel trilogy from 2015. And I have gone very predictive. It's almost like I'm a traditionalist or something. <laughs> uh, my number three is Return of the Jedi. Uh, as I say, from 40 years ago, before I was born. <laughs> Round four. Dan, what is yours? Uh, the Force Awakens. Is also The Force Awakens. Uh, see how you. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I was so afraid I put that way too high. Even though I'm confident in my list, I was Again, like, oh, if God, this I'm was, If this was a favorites list, Force Awakens would have been my number three. All right. Wow. Yeah. Okay. 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 Well, I disagree. But uh, <laughs> you'll, you'll find out in due course. Um, Mike, you're number four. Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi, uh, which uh, Dan has yet to pick. So... Uh, we move on to my number four, which is The Last Jedi. Uh, round five, Mr. Toland. Rogue One. Is Rogue One. Uh, strike T for that one. And uh, Mike, number five. Star Wars. A New Hope. Lovely stuff. Uh, right then. So uh, this is the original. Mike, the original of F2. Take it away. I mean, you know, I sort of said when, uh, a few minutes ago when we were talking about Empire that it's, it's kind of bare bones, you know, it's, at least when it comes to what we would get with Star Wars, right? But you can't deny what's there. There's a certain charm to this movie. We're going to get this when we talk about another movie on this list, but it's, it's really as hard, as hard as I try, it's hard for me to separate out the emotion from like, looking at this critically. So pardon me if I do stumble over myself here more than I normally would. But what I appreciate most about it, or not maybe not most, but way up there, is that this is a world that, overall, that really, truly feels lived in. From Luke and his family on the farm, 
on the moisture farm to the cantina to all the shit going on in space. You know, there, there's all these different elements that wind up coming together and you feel like these characters really have existed before this movie and assuming they survive will continue to exist after this movie. And we're just here following them on this one particular adventure. So I think that's just what I'll start saying there and then piggyback off you two, if that's okay. By all means. I mean, for my part, when I first saw it, because again, I saw Phantom Menace in cinema in 1999, I would have been 14, and the our local library did have uh, the original trilogy on VHS, because I think it had been released... Uh, re-released for that purpose. I've no idea how much tinkering Lucas had done in 1999. I assume the, the, the special edition were out by that point. Right. Okay. So that was around the time I watched the first one. And again, I thought it started slowly. At that age, I didn't fully appreciate the legends that are Alec Guinness and Peter Cushing. But, you know, you've got some very... Uh, interesting characters to latch on to, and um, I had seen the Indiana Jones movie, so I was aware of Harrison Ford, and it was fun. Um, I, th- I thought the like, <laughs> sorry, well, I thought <laughs> fun. I, I guess. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to re- trying to remember what me from t- t- 25 years ago thought about. It's, I think, bear in mind, like. What I knew about Star Wars is, oh, it's lightsabers, it's good versus evil and everything. The lightsaber battle is slow as fuck. And, you know, th- there are bits of it here and there that uh, really stand out. But, again, because so much had been taken from what is what was, by that point, a 22-year-old film, um, that a lot of it wasn't striking me as very new and exciting but rewatching it here and there in the time since um I've, I've come to appreciate it a lot more i mean as a one and done it works because you know what happens at the end they blow up the death star hooray mm. but obviously it's the blueprint for something that expands much further so i absolutely appreciate its place I wouldn't call it the best film ever, Flick Church, you, you fools. But I enjoy it just fine. Dan? I mean, again, it's not number one on my list, but it's my fa- it's my favorite Star Wars movie. Catch me on the right day and it might be my favorite movie, period. Um, not because it's the best movie ever, but it is... I mean, like Mike said, it's impossible to completely separate it from when it came out and where I was. Like, I was, I was like four. When I first saw this movie. So it will always be that movie that was unbelievably amazing and awesome when I was four. To a not zero extent. Watching it now, yeah, the stuff on Tatooine can be pretty slow. But other than that, this movie is just a non-stop, just adventure, romp kind of thing. Like, I mean, it's clearly, it's a Flash Gordon movie. It's <laughs> just... One thing after another. He escapes from the thing and they go to the thing and then there's a fight and he wins the fight, but then he falls into the thing and it's 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 that. It is it's that old nineteen thirties serial adventure, but updated with awesome spaceships and laser swords. You know? 
Uh, yeah, the lightsaber fight isn't awesome comparatively because it took a while for them to figure out how to make them better. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't the, the 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 amazingness of the laser sword fight. It was the fact that there was a laser sword fight that kind of caught everybody's attention. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, which which I get. So yeah, I can I can watch it now and look at that at the the duel and go, yeah, that could have been a lot better. But yeah, I just I, I, I don't know that I have anything intelligent to say about this movie. Because it's <laughs> Star Wars and Star Wars is awesome. <laughs> well, you've proved your point. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm so I, good at this. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I want to ask a question here. Ian, do not, please, 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 please do not have a field day with this. Dan, you're the only one of us that would have seen this in the theater in the in its first run. Mm-hmm. What was that like? I mean, you were four, as you yeah, said. I was so you like might, your memory might not be totally came cool. out. I did not see it. Oh, in two. I am sorry. I did not okay. see it in its okay. first run. I saw it when it was re-released before Empire came out. I got you. I apologize. Yeah, I'm no sorry. Worries. No, okay. no, no worries. Because um, I've seen this in the theater too, but that's when Lucas released them with the special edition so he could fund basically the prequels, yes. right? Mm-hmm. So I've seen it, but not, you know, when it was invented the blockbuster. So, or well, I guess Josh. Yeah, I mean, you know but I mean, it was like so. one of those things where it was like, it was basically almost never not in theaters between 1977 mm-hmm. and 1980. Like they re-released mm-hmm. it constantly. Because, I mean, that's also yeah. just how movies were back then. You know, right? Yeah. You know, it would just, yeah. you know, if if a movie could make money, then they would say, yeah, let's just do it. Let's do another few weeks of of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. You know, so I did get to see it in the theater multiple times as a kid, and it was great. You know, it was Star Wars. You know, I had seen it multiple times by the point by that point, but who cares? You know, right. <laughs> hey, look, it's R two D two. I don't don't know what you were talking about, Mike. Anyway, um, so uh, we'll move on to my number five pick, uh, which was Solo, a Star Wars story, mm-hmm. uh, which is the first nomination thus far. Uh, Dan, round six. Uh, round six, I have Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith, which was the final installment of the prequel trilogy. Uh, Mike, number six. Solo. Solo as well. And my number six is now our chance to talk about Rogue One. Mike, it is right at the top of your list, uh, so you can start us off. I was actually surprised when I decided to put this at the top. So was I. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, So this is only maybe like the third time I've seen this one all the way through, compared to the original trilogy, which, you know, over a hundred times for each of those movies, right? Because mm-hmm. I was just, <laughs> when I was a teenager, it's what I did in the summer. Yeah. I right? just watched this and Back to the Future over and over and over again. But anyways, with Rogue One, I think what really caught me this time around is was the squad. Once it comes together and you understand that these are just ordinary people that are stuck in this terrible, terrible fucking world. Galaxy, as it were. And they don't want to be fighting this war. They don't want it at all, but they have to. And I feel like sometimes when it comes to the original trilogy, we miss that. Um, It's why in Empire, I, I specifically like Lando, where he 
you know, he doesn't want to sell Han and Chewie and the other, you know, Leia and all them out to the Empire. But if he doesn't, they're going to kill him he, and take everything away from him. So he, he, he sells out his friends. You know, that there's something about that that feels very genuine to me. And in Rogue One, I feel like we see more of that. We see these people doing very bad things for a good cause. And it makes the world more realistic to me. Um, and the way the characters, um, by the end start to hope that this, even if they don't make it out on the other side, they start to hope that and see that there is light on the other side, that those war will end, that, that the, that, that, the, the, that the empire will be brought down. Um, and the ending is absolutely bleak with, you know, all of them, <laughs> everybody we met in this movie dying, but the other real ending where we see Leia getting the plans, the blockade runner goes into hyperspace and the way that ties in directly to the original Star Wars, I think is absolutely brilliant because then that reframes the opening sequence of Star Wars. We know Leia's lying in Star Wars. Vader knows Leia is lying, but now we know Leia is looking at him straight through that mask and just being like, yeah, I know you know where I was 10 minutes ago, but fuck you. I'm still going to fucking lie to you. <laughs> I think it recontextualizes the opening of that movie in a way that you often don't get um, with movies that, you know, with, with, with quote unquote cliffhangers like that. So yeah, Rogue One has its problems. Um, the, the CGI faces of Carrie Fisher and Peter Cushing are not great, but <laughs> at all. But yeah, I, I, I really deeply enjoyed this movie. Uh, like the, every time I've seen it, but especially for this project right here. So that's why it was number one for me. Okay. Dan, first I want to thank Mike for not talking about the Darth Vader scene. <laughs> if, why is because that? <laughs> if the Darth Vader scene is the only thing that you appreciate about this movie, then you are Star Warsing wrong. Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's not my favorite. I think it's better than you might think it was based on where I have it on my list. But, I mean, it's good. It's got great characters. Felicity Jones is fantastic in it. Um, I think she's really, really good. Uh, as is Diego Luna. I think that it puts the empire over as like a seriously terrible thing in a way that, you know, like as badass and awful as they are in empire strikes back, it's in a very pulpy comic booky way. And here it's very much, uh, Oh wait, no, these guys are legitimately awful, you know, which I, I, I always appreciate. I always appreciate anything that Alan Tudyk brings to a project. <laughs> He's fantastic in this. And yeah, that, that ending is, is phenomenal. It manages to take this awful situation and make it seem like things are going to be okay. You know, like, I, again, you know, Leia says hope at the end, but that, that's what it is. You know, these people are giving up their lives to make the galaxy better. And I think that emotionally resonates in a way that no other Star Wars movie really does. And I think that that is, that's a, that's a great thing. I think that, I wish that this movie were more appreciated than it is. For me, I, uh, and sorry, Dan, if I'm jumping in here or stepping in here, you, you would, you would mention, you know, Leia saying hope mm -hmm. and the, the, the ending being somewhat bright at the end of this very nihilistic movie. Like 
I had said when it comes to the original trilogy, it's hard. For, it's going to be difficult for me to separate out the emotion mm-hmm. and just view them critically. With Rogue One and the sequel trilogy, and to some extent the prequel trilogy, I can kind of do that. Mm-hmm. But with with Rogue One, you know, I'm watching it, I'm enjoying it. But the second Leia says hope, credits hit, and we get the Star Wars theme for the very first time in this movie. It's not anywhere else in this mm-hmm. movie. I just, I get goosebumps because I'm like, hope, there's the hope, there's the Star Wars theme, you know? And so like the, the emotion comes in, but it really does make you go, the world, you, we can survive the darkness. And it all comes down to her saying that one word, cut to credits, boom, the theme hits, yeah. you know? So sorry about no, that. No, no worries. That's, you, yes, you're correct. And that is an important point because this is the first Star Wars film that doesn't start off with and a crawl and yes. everything because it is very specifically meant to be a kind of companion piece to uh, the trilogies as as they're going through um, because at that point this is the first film that isn't designated as being part of a trilogy and uh, indeed as being a kind of uh, prequel to the original uh, trilogy just by, as you say, virtue of how it ends and how it uh, kind of plays into the initial scenes of um, the original film. And so it, it's got that going for it. It's got a lot of likeable characters. The reason it's very much mid-table on my list is that I'll be damned if I can name anyone's character who isn't... Um, Jen and Andor, and I think I only know Andor because he's got a TV series named after him. <laughs> um, otherwise, you've got Alan Tudyk as a robot. You've got uh, Riz Ahmed, who is British, mm-hmm. um, but God knows what his name is. Um, and then you've got the blind guy and his friend, and I don't know what their names are. And sorry, I think that's a very fair point because even though I put this as number one, I still can't remember any of their names. Yeah. It's so yeah. it's got Daggett from the Dark Knight Rises as the villain. Um or the uh Cree, not Cree. Um the Marvel aliens who shapeshift. Scroll. Scroll, yeah. Uh it's got him, Mr. Scroll, uh as the villain. Uh and again, can't remember his name. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen is not a villain. That's a surprise. But the thing is, the film I feel is quite dense in, in a good way overall, because again, it's got a lot of storytelling to get out there to get to the ending. At the same time, it suffers because I don't know the names of the periphery characters and I do feel a bit on edge about just remaking up Moff Tarkin and Leia as CJ. It, it comes across as very Sky Captain, mm-hmm. which, you know, myself and Mike uh, reviewed with Dave. And it's just like, oh, look, there's Laurence Olivier. He's been <laughs> dead 50 years. What the hell is he doing here? Um, I kind of felt that, obviously not so much with Carrie Fisher, but with Peter Cushing, it's a bit, uh, mm, not sure about that. But uh, it's it's a very decent film. I applaud the nihilism, um, which I, I don't usually. But again, as you say, it's it's kind of counteracted in much the same way as Empire's counteracted with, look, you know, 
there's something good's going to come of it. Um, we know what happens with regards to what comes of Rogue One, and so it's all worth it. So it's certainly a film I'd watch again, but I think uh, it was trying to do a few too many things to make it properly great as a standalone film. But that's uh, that's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, before we move on, can I bring up two more things, please? By all means. One, I deeply enjoy, as much as one can enjoy this, the bureaucracy <laughs> of the fucking Empire. Like, they test the Death Star on uh, Jedha, I think it is. And Grandma Off Darkin's like, okay, I'm taking over this project now because I know it's not going to be a shit show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what's his name? Is it, is it Krennic? Is his name? Is yeah, that I think it? So, the, yeah. yeah. He's like, I'm sorry, this has been my project since day one, and you're taking it? And Moff Tarkin's like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just like, yeah, even in the Empire, like, middleman, like, you're going to get fucked out of a project the second someone sees, uh, that, uh, it's, it's going to go the right way. So I, 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 I like that as much as you could. I found that, um, I don't know. It, it was just funny to me. The second thing is, um, Dan, you brought it up. Let's talk just for a second about that Vader. Oh, scene, it's awesome. Specifically the one at the end. Not- yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. yeah right. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm not going to say it's not awesome. It's absolutely awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love, but, I love mm-hmm. that, like, he's not like, like, he's not even breathing until he turns his thing on because he's going yes. for the big dramatic reveal. <laughs> like, he's such a drama bitch. Like, <laughs> which is kind of awesome. Mm-hmm. Make a note of that. Anakin Skywalker, drama bitch. Yeah. Um, and in fairness, that is something the prequel trilogy establishes. <laughs> For me, though, as, as badass as that scene is, it's there's something slightly wrong with it. Because I believe, I'd have to double check this, and I know I did this a few years ago at the forums, I believe. I think that's the only time Anakin, Vader for sure, but Anakin included, uh, ignites his saber before anybody tries to attack him. So even though it's a badass scene, it feels a little wrong for me. Because Vader never ignites his saber until someone else does. Uh, Is that right? His saber is ignited when Kenobi finds him in the Death Star. Okay, then I'll take back the point then. Yeah. Okay, and you're right with the younglings too. Okay, I'll take it back. But yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's the scene everybody remembers this movie for, but it's like, there's so much more to this movie than just mm-hmm. a, a 30 second hallway fight sequence <laughs> with Darth Vader. Come on. That is true. Let's talk about the rest of this movie. You know, so, okay. That should have been the whole movie. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but two hours. Yeah. <laughs> and my headcanon is, that when we get to Star Wars and he's, you know, walking around, and he's force choking people. But the reason he's still not being that big badass that he was there is because now he's fucking tired. <laughs> <laughs> he just took down like 20 fucking rebels, right? Yeah. And he's like, oh, man, I was holding my breath for like two fucking minutes waiting for them. <laughs> oh, uh, okay, just bring me the fucking wrist. Okay, yeah, just put her in there. We'll get to her in a few minutes. I just need a rest, guys. <laughs> like- <laughs> Well, Vader, this is a trade a envoy. Bitch, Are you kidding me? Right, <laughs> uh, righty So uh, that is Rogue One, and uh, we're now on to round seven. So, Dan, we descend further into... Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi. That's strike three for Return of the Jedi. 
It, it was kind of a joke to say it was the worst Star Wars film ever. I mean, it's just because, but obviously, 40 years ago, there were only three. <laughs> so, um, with regards to this one, it is lowest on your, I suppose it's highest on my list. I'd probably say the reason I've got it quite high is that, despite the fact it's quite disjointed by the fact that if you compare the Jabba's Palace um, sequences to how the film ends with, like, Luke and Vader and Palpatine, it's like, this, is this really the same film? Mm-hmm. I, I find it quite disjointed on the whole. That being said it has to wrap up the trilogy some way so you need to show Luke's progression you need Han to be saved and you need to see Yoda die I suppose um, but you also need to have like the clash between Luke and taking on the ultimate evil who uh, it turns out isn't Vader but Palpatine instead uh, that is to say, a Scotsman with a wacky face. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so ultimately, it's quite a satisfying film. It's just not nearly as good as its two predecessors. That being said, there's a lot to like about it. It still has the odd twist. It's like, oh, right, Leia is Luke's sister. Oh, that gets a bit awkward now, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> give it given a few things. Um, sort of, it's just as well I didn't marry. So it's it's a film that I like to come back to, and I know for a fact that one of you have said it's not the best, but it is my favourite. I believe that was um, Mike. Yep. Yeah. That being said, in terms of best, you have it as number four on your list. Mm-hmm. But as you say, one of your favourites. Yeah, I'm a staunch defender of Return of the Jedi. I mean, definitely as a kid, you know, if you know you were ranking them. When there were only three movies, yeah, I would probably put it low. And I definitely went through a period where it was like, yeah, that movie sucks. Look at the Ewoks, blah, blah, blah. Because I was just following along with what everybody else was saying, right? I was a kid or a teenager. And then I started to really reevaluate this movie. And besides still not knowing what the fuck Luke Skywalker's plan is at Jabba's Palace, beyond that, I deeply enjoy this movie. And I'm glad we've all got it higher on the list. Um, than we might have if we did this, I don't know (laughs) how long we could have done this. But yeah, I I think there is a lot to enjoy about this movie. And I know people love shitting on the Ewoks. And if that's what you want to do, go ahead and do it. But I think if you view it from like their point of view, it goes back to what I was saying about Rogue One, where those are just normal people fighting a war that they don't want to fight, but they have to fight. The war is brought to the fucking Ewoks. It's brought to the forest moon of Endor. And what do they do? The Ewoks step the fuck up and they take down the fucking Empire. And people are like, yeah, but they're just teddy bears taking down the Empire. But that's the point. That's the fucking point is that normal people can win the war. If they band together, they can do this. They can take down a, a, a galactic wrong. They can, they can correct that. And so, like, I, I, that, that's why I'm a defender of this movie you know, um, is, is because I, I started seeing it sort of from the Ewoks perspective is that that's a very weird sentence. And I know, it sure is. <laughs> but you know, the, 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 the emotional, um, the, the resolution that comes with, with, with Luke invader, Luke, you know, finally gets to see his father's face. He redeems the man, you know, there's, there's, it's, 
that's touching. It really is. He only gets to see his father's face for a few seconds, but it fills, it fixes something in Luke's soul. You know, he know he 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 was able to, to being able to save his father completes something in Luke more than becoming a Jedi could have done and did for him. So yeah, I'm all over the place. Um, so I'll stop there, but I'll just say this is the one that's the hardest for me to remove the emotion because this is the first one I recall seeing in the theater. I'm not sure I saw Empire in the theater until the 90s. Um, I was in utero for, for Star Wars. Uh, literally, I would have just been conceived when my mom and dad saw this, saw that movie. Um, but this one I, de- I definitely recall seeing at age five in the cinema and just being over the moon that I was getting to see fucking Star Wars in the movie theater. You know, so I'll leave Jedi there for now. Cool. Dan? Yeah, I think that I like this movie more than I would indicate, given my it's placed on my list. I think the stuff in this movie that works well works very well. Again, everything to do with Jabba the Hutt is phenomenal. Ian McDiarmid is a great villain. Uh, <laughs> he's just, I mean, he is just making a complete meal out of all the scenery that he comes into contact with. <laughs> and I am here for it. <laughs> but I think that, Ian, to your point, I think that the disjointedness of this movie really hurts it. I think right. that yeah. this movie feels like a bunch of pieces of movies that don't quite fit together correctly. And as a result, I can't say that I enjoy this movie as much as I want to. For everything that works super, super well, like, again, the space battle scenes are really good, right? Honestly, it's mostly it's the Endor stuff. And it's not because of the Ewoks. The Ewoks are the Ewoks are fine. Don't I'm not coming for the Ewoks. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with the Ewoks. Um, if Wendy were listening, who am I listening? Wendy's not listening to this because <laughs> she fucking loves the Ewoks. I don't love the Ewoks, but I don't dislike them either. But honestly, a lot of it is a big part of it. Honestly, is that Harrison Ford very obviously doesn't want to be there, and he kind of ruins every scene he's in because of it. <laughs> like he's actively sabotaging his scenes because he just does not want to be there mm. um and that's that's a real problem for this movie i'd have thought he'd love watching c-3po rise like a <laughs> yeah a god <laughs> yeah. apparently not so much oh well there we go you know the more uh, you know you know but like everything that he's in is just screaming i'm contractually obligated to be here right now <laughs> <laughs> I heartily um, endorse this event or product. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just a lot of little things. It it feels like there's not as much money put into this movie as there are in the other two. Isn't that legitimately the fact? I think that is legitimately the fact. I think that yeah. Lucas Lucas is always terrified that everything he does is going to fail and lose money. You know? Like Gary Kurtz famously overspent on Empire. So I think that Lucas kind of overcorrected for this one. But yeah, it's just 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 a lot of little things that like, you know, you see Alec Guinness come back to do his scene and he's just kind of shuffling around, you know, <laughs> parking his non-corporeal ass on a rock so he can <laughs> <laughs> kind of deliver his lines. You know? yeah. Like the is my sister thing is just so clearly pulled out of Lucas's ass, even more so than Vader being his father. Yeah, just a bunch of little things that don't quite add up correctly, even though there's a lot of things in here that work super well that I enjoy on that level. 
it really is just the Endor stuff. And there's so much Endor stuff that it just doesn't work for me. Like that the the speeder bike scene just doesn't thrill me the way that I think it it should. Mm. Like that should be super exciting. And for me it's just not. I recall late nineties, beginning of the nineties, a Star Wars arcade machine. Mm-hmm. Where you could sit in it and you could do the forest kind of chase mm-hmm. as like one of the levels. Yeah, love that movie. Love, love, love that game. Fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and unfortunately, you did you didn't get that experience necessarily out of the film. No, <laughs> which is a shame. And then also, uh, you you reminded me, Dan, of oh, what I told you was correct from a certain point of view. Yeah, I'm having to do my best. To guess over um, Lucas's bullshit, yeah, so, uh, <laughs> which is very much Alec Guinness's wheelhouse, mm-hmm. or, or was. U- ultimately, very fun film, but not without its problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else, Mike? Because again, because it does seem like me, me and Dan are not harsh on it, but um, offering up more negative points than positive ones. No, that's absolutely fair. I think just the last thing I'll add, and I think I might have brought this up when Dan and I uh, covered this a while back, um, is like it cannot be overstated. The movie magic, how much movie magic went into making Jabba the Hutt. All right. Like that, that is glorious. I remember seeing an, I believe, HBO documentary mm-hmm. about Jedi and there was a considerable portion spent on the making of Jabba and how many people it took mm-hmm. to make that work. And I mean, holy crap. Like, no, there's not a lot, you know, less money was spent on this movie than Empire for sure, but a lot of it went into fucking Jabba. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just love that because, and that's, that's the thing with Star Wars is like, you have to believe the puppets are real. Yes. And you never not believe the puppets are real. You can look at Yoda and go, holy crap, this little green guy is awesome. You know, and Jabba the Hutt is like, oh my God, this giant slug mobster guy is awesome. You know, and the second they don't look real, you're you're pulled out. And I never feel pulled out with any of the puppets. In, and that includes the droids um, in these movies. So that's the last thing I'll add. I, I mean, just on the puppet front, it, it does help when you've got Frank Oz doing Yoda. Oh, yeah. Who, you know, up to this mm. point was only doing puppets. Before he decided to have a stab at directing, but uh, he wasn't too shabby-ass either. The only thing that I wanted to point out, and and this is a purely me thing, is that I can handle the other two, but this is the one where the special edition version really, to me, is markedly worse than the, the original. Like, the musical number can just fuck right off. Like, <laughs> what is the fucking point of the musical number? In addition to it just doesn't look good, it's just the song is crap, and it stops the movie cold for three minutes for no reason. And I kind of miss the Yub Nub song, not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right then, uh, so we move on free round seven to Mike's pick. Okay, The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi, that is strike free for The Last Jedi. Uh, the very controversial um, pick that was the middle film in the sequel trilogy. I suppose we've heard more of Dan recently, and it's highest on his list. Uh, so, Mike, uh, it's lowest on your list. What were you thinking? 
Had I not rewatched these movies, had I just done them from memory, which, frankly, I could have done for most of these, I would have put The Last Jedi so much higher than I have it on here. Rewatching it, I remembered something I had sort of pushed to the back of my brain that I didn't like when I initially saw this. I actively hate Poe in this movie. Right. I fucking hate Poe in this movie. I love him in the first movie. He is so cool. He's awesome. You know, it's like they got a brand new, fresh, kind of like Han Solo character. You can tell there's a lot going on in his backstory, even though they don't really get into it. And in this movie, he has a major fuck up in the build, in the, in the, in the opening, which costs the, the, what are they called? They're not the rebels anymore. What are they called? The resistance? Mm-hmm. Is that what they are? That, that costs them so many ships, so many lives. He gets demoted for it, sure, but then instantly, after he gets a dressing down from Leia, he's like, he jokes about it. He's like, so you want me to jump back in my ship and just blow shit up? And she's like, yeah, jump in your ship and blow shit up. So he gets to just blow that off. Then when Holdo shows up, he's all like, who is she? I don't know who she is. And he doesn't trust her. He doesn't take orders from her. He thinks he knows better. And I get that leads to a bigger arc with him by the end, but he is objectively, from my, I shouldn't say objectively, from my point of view, from a certain point of view, he is... (laughs) ruining this fucking movie for me. I I, I, I hate Poe in this movie so much. But the last 45 minutes of this movie are so fucking good that I kind of forget that I don't like the Poe stuff. And is this the one with the casino stuff? Or yes. is that the next one? Yeah. This one. Yeah. I can't stand the casino stuff. I get what they're trying to say, you know, that the, the, the rich – you know, profit on uh, off a of war. I, I get all that. Hey, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll wave that flag too. Fuck them. You know, and I get what they're trying to say with Benicio del Toro's character that you know everybody buys guns and weapons from the same people. So blah, 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 whatever. But yeah, until you get to the last forty five minutes, I'm just sort of like I hate Poe. I don't like the casino stuff. And yeah, I I was shocked how low I wound up putting this one on my list. I really am because my memory had it so much higher. Okay. You know. Oh, one. Well, I'll come back. I'll come back to that thing. I, I don't want to see. Okay, uh, Dan. It's uh, highest on your list, if only by a place. Uh, yeah. No, I I really like this movie a lot. I think that it is one of the smarter Star Wars movies. Certainly, one of the better directed Star Wars movies. I feel like Poe. I like I, Mike. I understand what you're saying about Poe, and mm-hmm. I don't think you're incorrect. I do think that what that's doing is is we're kind of seeing Poe's journey from being a fuck you, I'll do what I want guy to kind of learning how to be a leader. And we're just kind of catching the he he's learning a lot of lessons in in two hours. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that I kind of look at it that way. So I'm probably a little more forgiving towards it than you are. And honestly, I think that a lot of why I rate this as highly as I do is to kind of say fuck you to all the people that hate it so much. Because there are two main arguments that I hear. One is like, you know, Luke is completely out of character in this. Luke would never do this. Every single Jedi Master we've ever met has fucked off to go sulk in a cave. <laughs> Every single one that we've met has done that. <laughs> yep. Okay. So yes, this is absolutely what Luke is doing. <laughs> and the other complaint that everybody seems to have is that there's too many brown people and women's in their space wizard movie. Yeah. Which fuck you. <laughs> you know. 
I'm 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 so happy to see that there's there's more people being represented in a Star Wars movie. More people are getting to see themselves in a Star Wars movie. That's that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, again, I've I've got it at number four. I think I li- I like the idea that because basically my criticism with the sequel trilogy is they are derivative as fuck, mm-hmm. and I know for the fact that people call the last jedi derivative and it is to an extent uh not nearly as much as the force awakens which i'll get more onto later but with regards to the last jedi you've kind of got the idea of hoff and you know needing to evacuate and get away to avoid annihilation which is basically how this film starts but Rather than they just all get away, as they do in Empire, it's just like, ah, but they're still being tailed and tracked. They can't get away that easily, and that's causing ongoing dire peril, um, which is not something that you see in Empire. Um, now, that's not to say this is a better film than Empire. I'm just saying that it's a theme that is better extrapolated in this film. Now... The, I, I, I agree with the, the points with regards to Poe. It does take away from his likability. It is a teachable moment, but, you know, at the deaths of countless. Um, but, and yeah, I, I suppose the casino bit specifically is a bit heavy handed, but when you get to the actual stables of, of the racing and like the children that they meet and inspire, to say we're part of the resistance that plays into a very good final scene with regards mm. to the film of you know this lowly stable hand child like standing up and looking at the sky because that isn't a star wars cliche um yeah. but being inspired clearly and um with regards to the skywalker stuff i bloody love mark camel in this film because mm. obviously you know you guys remember him from the original trilogy. I remember him from BTAS. And we all know how Mark Hamill's voice has grown older and everything. So it makes all the sense in the world to meet him as a grouch. And then, <laughs> and then seeing the arc that Luke goes on through, throughout the film until you, you get his final kind of sequence. And he is badass as fuck. And, when else can you actually say that about Luke Skywalker? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally, the remarkable everything you just said was wrong. Yeah. Um, which, you know, is technically a callback because he says that to Ray earlier in the film. But just the fact that Kylo Ren has every blaster trained on Luke to obliterate him to smithereens... And out of the crowd, he just dusts off his shoulder. And he's just like, oh yes, that is fucking awesome. And also, just with regards to the action sequence, the idea of that field, for want of a better, or that desert outside of the the cave that they're all hiding in, being white on the surface but red underneath. Mm -hmm. So it gives the impression of bloodied combat but it it isn't, but it gives that impression, and it just looks really sumptuous. And you have that um, 
lightsaber battle in uh, Snoke's throne room as well. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, I like to just piggyback off two points you just made. Um, yeah. One of which being, that's just Mark Hamill. I think it's important to point out that since, you know, it's been 40 years since he first played Luke Skywalker in the first one, Mark Hamill has grown and become a much better actor. Yes. Than he had been. Because, I mean, honestly, he wasn't great as an actor in the original trilogy. Let's just put it out there. Yeah. But he's really putting in a great performance in this movie. And the other is to that final shot of the stable, the stable boy looking up to the stars. I would argue that's the most important shot in the entire franchise. I love that shot. The entire franchise. The entire franchise. Just because it's just signifying just that, you know, there's always going to be, you know, kids dreaming of the future. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I can even put into words, to be honest with you. It, it speaks to me on both a level of a kid who loves these movies and as somebody who's watching the people in world be inspired by, you know, the things that they, that they, that they see around them. It just, it just works for me on multiple levels. And I, I just, I absolutely fucking love that, that shot. Yeah. Um, just come back at you, Mike, because you, you didn't mention Luke or the lightsabers or Snoke or anything, anything about that stuff that, that kind of impresses. Yeah. And before I get to that, I want to say, you know, I don't want to come across like a hater of this movie. Cause like I said, if I had gone in without rewatching this, this would have been like probably like number two or three for me. Yeah. Okay. Well, probably, probably three. So I really deeply enjoy this movie and I love that the director is Rain Johnson. Right? Yes. Yeah. Um, I really love that he was trying something, really trying something different yes. and not just be wholly derivative of what's come before. So I, I, I love that. Um, when it comes to the stuff with Luke, um, for me, I think, um, the most important shot of all of Star Wars is also in this movie, but it's a little sooner for me. And it's when Luke is dying, but just before he passes and fades away, he sees the suns again. Right. Because for me, it I mean obviously that calls back to this the shot in the first one and here, but it complete like to me that completes Luke's story, you know him him looking off at the suns and now he sees them one more time, you know. But I totally get what you're seeing, Dan, and that reframes that sequence for me with the little kid pulling the broom over with the force and he's got um, Rose's ring and everything. That's no, you're you're right in everything you said there, but yeah, I think the the the, the lightsaber battle in that throne room is just amazing. It really is. And I, I, I like that it's setting, you know, you can watch it independently, but then when you watch The Rise of Skywalker, the fact that it sets up those two fighting side by side again, you know, and these two know how to fight it. So it's definitely setting something up. And I, I, I appreciate that. But I, I think we also can't talk, we, we, we can't move on from this movie without talking about that shot, that moment <laughs> when, when Holdo just be, does what she does. I mean, I know movie theaters had to put up signs that saying the sound does not go out at a particular point in this movie. That is part of the movie. I don't know if you guys have seen these. When the movie was in the theater, people were taking photos of that because <laughs> people legit thought the movie was bro- was broken. And it's like, no, the point is Star Wars is loud. It is a loud <laughs> fucking franchise. Oh, my God. You can hear it through the walls when you're in the theater. You can hear the other theaters playing it. And finally, it's quiet. Finally, it goes dead quiet in space. Why? Because they want you to breathe and take in that moment of what she just did. 
that is like that is like absolutely like probably the most one of the most badass things in all of Star Wars for me, you know. And I just love how they pulled it off, and they flat out say, you know, you can't do that all the time. This was really a one-off, desperate move to save all those people trying to get to that little planet, you know. So I'll step away from the, you know, I'll, I'll put away my uh, joygasm there. Right then, so to round out round seven, uh, my pick is Revenge of the Sith. And uh, that's strike two for that one. So we begin round eight. Over to you, Mr. Toland. Uh, round eight, I have Rise of Skywalker. The Rise of Skywalker. The very first mention of the conclusion of the sequel trilogy. Mike, number eight, please. Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith. There we go. It's time to talk about... Revenge of the Sith, the uh, final chapter of the prequel trilogy, usually known as the most beloved, and having looked at everyone's lists thus far, uh, that remains true. <laughs> um, so, Revenge of the Sith uh, is where we finally get to see Anakin Skywalker turn to the dark side, become Darth Vader, first in name, and then after a bit of an accident in look as well. Now, I would definitely agree that this is the best of the prequel trilogy. Not exactly gushing praise, but it has uh, some very interesting uh, action scenes with regards to Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan taking on uh, General Sidious. We have... Basically, it's a star turn for Ian McDermott as Palpatine, the senator, and uh, himself undergoing a bit of a makeover. And um, Christopher Lee, he's there, and he's great, (laughs) but um, (laughs) his death is a bit ignoble. Um, But uh, there we go. And uh, there's quite a lot to say about this. So I've set the ball rolling we're all within a position of each other, so let's start with Mike insofar as it's lowest on your list. But as I say, we're all in roughly the same ballpark. You know, I don't want to damn it with faint praise by saying it's the best of the prequel trilogy. I don't want to do that, but there really is a lot to like about this movie. I mean, the opening space battle of this movie is insane. I love yeah. it. And the the final battle between Obi-Wan and Anakin, it goes on a bit long. <laughs> <laughs> and it's definitely OTT, but that moment has been built up in our in our imaginations for some since the prequel started. For others, like Dan and myself, who have been around a long time and have heard about this supposedly epic lightsaber battle between master and student on the lava planet, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it, it had to, it had to do what it did, even though it's OTT, you know, but even if you remove that, th- th- those moments and just look at the movie, like I said, there, there really is a, a, a lot to enjoy about this one. I'm not the biggest fan of, I got to say it, of, of Hayden Christensen. I'm sorry. Um, well, but I th- that, that, that puts you in a minority. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Such a controversial opinion. But I don't want to shit on him at the same time, you know. 
But I do like what he's doing in this movie. The dude is struggling so hard. Anakin, that is, not uh, Hayden. <laughs> he is struggling so hard to fight himself. And he, he can't win because he's being toyed with by Palpatine. He's just a fucking puppet, and he doesn't realize it. And that moment where he's in um, his, I forget if it's his, uh, yeah, it's, it's their apartment, I think it is. And he's been told by fucking Mace Windu to just stay there, to stay put like a puppy, as they go and confront Palpatine. And he's looking out across the city, and he connects with his fucking wife, with Padme, right? And he starts, He there's like the single tear or whatever, I think. Maybe I'm imagining the tear. And then he walks off to go f- tell the Jedi he thinks they're wrong and, you know, save Palpatine. That whole m- moment is like... That's the moment where Anakin loses. He f- truly loses because he gives in um, to to he doesn't give in. It's all the strings have been pulled at this point, mm-hmm. you know, and I think Hayden, what I'm getting at is Hayden does that. It does that moment well. And so does Natalie Portman on her other side of it. Like it's completely silent. They don't speak. And it's it's one of the most tragic moments in all of Star Wars. And I think they do it well. And then it leads into what it leads into. And that's him going from Anakin Skywalker into Darth Vader. So that's that's where I'll leave off for now. Okay. Dan? I mean, like like yourselves, this is the best of the prequel trilogy, but I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that this is the movie in the prequel trilogy where anything happens. Yes. <laughs> like and I'm not I'm I'm really kinda only kind of joking about that. Um this is really the only time that we see the story being propelled forward. And it's all kind of being squashed into this one movie. To your point, Mike Hayden Christensen can act. I've seen him do it. Yeah. yeah. I've Mm -hmm. seen him be able to act. But Lucas wants flat performances in his movies. Uh, That's not just me saying that. That's a a known fact. You know, Mm -hmm. he's looking for wooden performances. And I think one of the things that's so performance about Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan is that he doesn't have uncharismatic in him. You know, (laughs) he just just doesn't. I mean, he's always great as Obi-Wan. But, I mean, in this movie, he's fantastic. Uh, to your point, Ian, like his fight with Grievous, he is not only is, is it a great fight, but he is just on like as a character in that in that entire sequence. And the opening air battle is is, is wonderful. Uh, the whole scene on the I don't know if that's like a, a ship or a space station or, or whatever, but the rescue of Palpatine is great. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of good stuff in this movie. There's a lot of not so great stuff in this movie, and a lot, and most of that has to do with the script and the way that if you can't get Samuel L. Jackson to come across as as interested in what he's doing, you're not a good director. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like nobody is more wooden than Sam Jackson in this movie, and that's just that's a crime. I but. have had it with these motherfucking Sith <laughs> on this motherfucking planet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, it it really is. It is quite good as as sequel as as uh, prequel trilogies go. I don't enjoy it as much as I enjoy some other movies, uh, including other prequel movies. But it's definitely the best one. Yeah, I mean, I think um, for me, it's a tragic waste of Natalie Portman. Yes. Who, granted, she didn't have the best stuff to work with with the other two films, but here she is just sidelined. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, I'm pregnant. I'm sad. Oh, my husband's a baddie. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's terrible. Mm-hmm. 
oh, I can see you being a baddie husband. <laughs> this is terrible. And choke, ouch, childbirth, death. Yep. And it's Natalie Portman, for God's sake. It's yep. uh, biased as I am having recently uh, featured her on Her and Actor. But it, it's just, could you not think of more stuff for her to do? Clearly not. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that is, in terms of screen time, that is to the benefit of Obi-Wan and Anakin and indeed Palpatine. But uh, it, it's a problem. There's some very good storytelling insofar as once Anakin makes the choice to save Palpatine from Windu and lead to his death, it's just like, what have I done? Well, there's no going back from this, I may may as well, um, because I can justify it to save my wife's life. But I can't actually justify what I'm actually being ordered to do. In so far as you killed children, so if I, if you're not with me, you're against me. It's just like okay, okay, lovely stuff. Um, again, I, th- I think you both said when you reviewed it, Lucas, could you be a bit less ham-fisted with the mm-hmm. politics? Yeah, it's like George W. Bush isn't a great guy, but um, give it ten years, there'll be a worse president. <laughs> and there was bit of politics um but i do like christensen in specifically in this film because he knows what he's got to do and rightly or wrongly he can give a wooden performance mcgregor i I suppose he got away with a lot of his innate charm insofar as he's always doing to an extent an alec guinness impression Mm -hmm. so he can perhaps run it by lucas it's just like, oh no, that's just what young Alec Guinness would have done. <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise, with regards to the epic fight scene, I suppose it's broken up by Palpatine flinging the entire Senate at Yoda, uh, which is a bit heavy-handed again. <laughs> but there we go. And Yoda's, oh well, must go into exile. Me fucked up. Or <laughs> fucked up, I did. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, what else, what else? Uh, I mean, Anakin did slaughter children. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so when you see him with three limbs hacked off, I think the only one left was his artificial one anyway, and he's, he's left to burn. It's just like, yeah, well, <sighs> kind of what you deserve, really. And <laughs> whether it's cold on Kenobi's part or not, I mean, arguably it is, but... I hate you! <laughs> I have no capacity for intellectual thoughts. Um, well, that's what you guess, I suppose. Well, a- anything else on Revenge of the Sith? No. No? Okie dokie. Because uh, obviously we can talk more about the prequel trilogy as we get down to the weeds, because uh, none of the other two have even been mentioned thus far. <laughs> I will say, uh, to finalise round eight, this is where I've put uh, The Force Awakens, which um, I found utterly derivative. Utterly derivative. But it gets by on the fact that you've got the return of old favourite characters 
and they make the new characters that they're basing their franchise around very likeable and engaging. Um, and also Ben Solo, uh, <laughs> who I don't get whatsoever. Uh, so who's it highest on the list for? Mike has it at number three. Again, had I done these from memory, this would have been so much lower. Because what you just said there, Ian, I agree with about it being derivative. This time around, when I rewatched them, that's what I found charming about mm-hmm. it. You know, there's that quote from Lucas where he's like, that I know Red Letter Media makes fun out of, where it's like, it's like poetry, you know? But that's what we have going on here. Yeah, this is... This is just the original, you know, this, this is so much of the original movies just wrapped up into one movie. But that's the point though. You know, we're, we're reawakening this franchise for a whole new generation here. So yeah, we see a lot of themes and action beats that are the same, but we're bringing them into, you know, modern filmmaking and it brings in, of course, Han Solo, Leia, Luke at the very end. You know, don't want to understand, you know, of course, Chewbacca and, and the droids too are here to some extent, you know. But so it's it's not afraid to make this about the new characters and bring in the older ones kind of slowly. Let them drip feed in. Bring them in in, in a very natural way. And that's exactly what this franchise needed. It needed new blood. You know, the longtime fans might decry that. They might want... You know, the novels brought to screen, but that's not where we are. You can't have Harrison Ford running around for another three movies or whatever as Han Solo. You can't do it with Carrie Fisher. You can't do it with Mark Hamill or anybody. So we need these new faces. And so there was no need to reinvent the wheel. You just, you just, you just had to take what was there and build upon it to again flesh out this broader universe or galaxy. So yeah, I, I was quite surprised how high I put this one on the list, but I, I think the balance here between the ground battles, the sky and space battles and the Jedi battles is, is absolutely perfect. When I read the books as a teen and even the comics, I was never interested in the sky battles. I never read any of the, the, the X-Wing books. That wasn't my forte, but I really liked the, 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 the battles, we, the, 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 the space battles we get here and throughout the, 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 the sequel trilogy. But um, this one set the precedent, I think, of how to do them, for at least my liking. Just before I bring Dan in, I don't disagree with you with regards to the characters um, when mm. I used the phrase derivative. Yeah. When I use the phrase derivative, I mean, oh, uh, villains come back, reestablish evil over the uh, Empire with a planet killer, although this mm-hmm. so ha- just happens to be a planet and you need to get into onto the the planet killer to you know blow shit up and make sure the day is saved and yep. that i i mean i understand it's like let's get into familiar territory it's like don't redo the same thing surely <laughs> that's lazy jj abrams you're lazy <laughs> and to, to your point, I agree, you know, that Star Wars, come on, man, do, do, like, so at this point, if, if you've just watched the movies, we've had three planet killers, two Death Stars, and whatever the fuck this thing yeah. is. If you've done the books, Dan, what was the other one called? Dark Saber? The one where it was just the core of the Death Star that was like the weapon? Do you remember oh, that, Dan? I think it was a sun killer. Yeah. Oh. 
I think it was called Dark Saber. I think that's right. Yeah, and I think that was a sun killer. And technically, this is a sun killer and a planet killer at the same time. So if you've read the books, you've had four of these fucking things. So Empire or whatever they're calling themselves now, get new plans, get new fucking weapons. Yeah, because I remember in X-Wing, they had the Sun Crusher. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I think in Dark Saber, I think you're right. They did. Yeah, they're constantly making making giant, gigantic planet killing super weapons in right. Star Wars. It's kind of their thing. Again, in in Return of the Jedi, they just did it again. Right. It's just, let's do another one of those. So I can't really fault J.J. Abrams for going back to that well because that's what Star Wars does. And that's what I was getting at is it's like, yeah. is even though I am saying, you know, come on guys, come up with new weapons at the same time, I'm just used to it at this point <laughs> between the books and the movies. I'm just like, yeah, we'll just roll with it. I got another one of these fucking things. Sure. Whatever. At some you point know. this has to work. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I kid, I kid. Yeah. Uh, Dan, uh, your thoughts on the Force Awakens. I adore this movie. I think that, and again, I, I'm kind of right there with Mike. Basically, the remakedness of A New Hope is almost a feature, not a bug for me at this point. Because, you know, watching this movie, we've just had three Star Wars movies that don't feel like Star Wars movies, you know, or at least not as much as they should to my liking. You know, yes, it was an, it was <laughs> very much a scene for scene remake of A New Hope, but that's okay. <laughs> but it's it's Star Wars. It feels to me like Star Wars. And the fact that we get these new characters, these you know, we get Finn, we get Poe, we get Ray, BB eight, who I think actually might be my favorite droid in the whole franchise. <laughs> you know, we get these new characters and I'm watching the movie and I'm really digging them. I'm really liking all these new characters. And then Han and Chewie show up on the Falcon and I'm just like, Oh right, these guys are also in the movie. <laughs> To which, okay, I must really be enjoying this movie if, if for me, Han Solo is a fucking afterthought, <laughs> you know? Um, and also, and again, I don't know how they did it or, 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 you know, what had to happen to make this happen, but Harrison Ford is being like charming and funny in a movie, which he hasn't been in decades. Damn, you, you know how they made that work. It's just yeah. a few words. We'll kill Han Solo. <laughs> sure. Yes. Sure. I'm done with this. Whatever oh my god. Whatever you have to do. Like again, he's a great actor. He's a fantastic uh, uh, actor. Everything he does, he's really, really good in. But he's always just so grim and dour and angry and grumpy. And he's kind of those things in this too. But he's got that hand that Han Solo twinkle is back. You know? Like even like for all of the things that are wrong with it, I don't despise crystal skull the way that most people do it's far and away the worst indiana jones movie but he couldn't even bring himself to be charming and funny in that right well they, they won't get kill him off yeah well there's also that <laughs> but they managed to get him to be han solo in this movie and for no other reason i'm going to have time for this movie because we got harrison ford to be harrison ford like the old harrison ford again in this movie, like his interplay with with Chewbacca, even though that's not Peter Mayhew in the suit, his interplay with Chewbacca is just spot on. Like he never left. He's just so good in this movie. And I dig Kylo Ren. I dig Adam Driver. Like people are like, oh, he's just he's a wannabe. He's you know just being a dark emo. Yes, yes, <laughs> that's exactly what Kylo Ren is. He's a wannabe. Mm. He's a poser. He's doing what he 
feels like he's supposed to be doing in order to be a big, tough bad guy. And he's just not very good at it. That is the point of Kylo Ren. Which I absolutely agree with in this film. Mm-hmm. His characterization through the trilogy is my major problem. And that's fair. I think that's fair. Because when you see him, because, like, is it the first scene where he's there, he, like, pose meeting um, Max von Sydow, for whatever reason, and um, that is where we see Kylo Ren for the first time. That whole sequence is great. Yes. Everything after... No, no, I'll, I'll rein it in. Because, again, when you get to see him being frustrated by stuff, and he petulantly smashes shit up with his lightsaber. Again, mm-hmm. that's very interesting. How that plays into the next couple of films is a bit more problematic, although I think that's more to do with the production issues rather than Adam Driver himself. Um, mm-hmm. I don't get the appeal of Adam Driver, that being said. Okay. I will say... I do get the appeal of John Berger and Daisy Ridley, who are British. Um, yes. <laughs> um, because they're like new characters who you absolutely want to. And you get mm. to see Finn's story first, I think. Oh, a stormtrooper deserting. This is new. This is new <laughs> in this derivative fucking film. Hurrah! A, 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 a new angle on things. And this is where we get him mingled up with Poe um, and, and many slash fish fiction things to come. <laughs> uh, don't, don't let me think I haven't seen your Twitter feed, Mike. And It's on the screen! <laughs> it's on the screen! And then you've got Daisy Ridley as Ray, And, like, the idea of, ooh... What is she? Who is she? She's the mystery girl. She's Clara Oswald. Will will that become more satisfying than the Clara Oswald reveal? Um, Maybe not. Um, But the idea is you've got new protagonists, you know, who are engaging on screen in their own rights, and then they're mixing up with the actors from the original trilogy. And that is a delight. Nightmarish cannibal slug monsters on the Falcon, not so much. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you've got characters who are kind of wasted, like Finn's superior. um, Phantasma, is it? Phasma. Phasma, yeah. Uh, Which is a shame. But then at the same time, you've got... As I say, with regard to the interplay between characters, uh, you've got, as, as soon as um, Solo is questioning uh, Finn as to what his plan is, it's just like, oh, I didn't have a plan, I just thought everything would work out. It's like, I know, we'll use the Force. That's not how the Force <laughs> works. Idiots. <laughs> so, I, I mean, so don't, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not completely down on the film, but I am... <laughs> frustrated about how derivative this is and i i don't know i was expecting a bit more and to 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 one of your points the chemistry between ridley and boyega is phenomenal yes they work so well together and i wish that they had done way more in the next two movies yeah 
Um, they're so good. That scene on the Falcon where she's trying to fix things and trying to get him to, to help. <laughs> and like, even just, 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 you know, I'll, you know, give me the spanner. No, no, the thing I'm pointing to. No, the thing I'm pointing to. <laughs> it's wonderful. They are so good together. Yeah. Like, I don't necessarily need to have seen them get together, get together. No, no. Which I know that a lot of people, understandably, because it did seem like that's what they were setting up, wanted to see. But they just work together so well, regardless of exactly how that relationship plays out. That it's, it, it's yeah, I, I, I do. I love this movie for that, for that, and many reasons. But that's that's a big part of it. One more thing, Ian. This is specifically for you, Dan. Maybe you know this, but Ian, you know the scene where Ray is strapped in the chair and she uses the force <laughs> to tell the stormtrooper. You know who that I is, know right? Where you're going with this, yes. You know, okay. Just want to make sure you know who that stormtrooper uh, is. So, the okay. name's Bond. It is indeed Daniel Craig's Bond. <laughs> yep, yeah. yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and I'm sure there's a billion there other are, cameos there in these movies that we don't know about. But them. that one, yeah. that one blows my mind. It's like that's Daniel because I'm not even sure it's his voice. It, it might is. Be. It is. Um, it is. Okay. Yeah, he's just doing an American accent, but it's him. Oh, okay. Because I didn't know if it was like the stormtrooper filter. I couldn't tell, or if he was doing you something do else. You have okay. to listen into it, but once you know. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The one okay. that killed me was Simon Pegg. Yes. <laughs> I couldn't. I like. I completely unrecognizable. Until is he the? Is he the junk trader? Yes. yes. Oh. Okay. I'm sorry. I cut you off there. You, yeah. You, it was unrecognizable until when? Well, just he, he, until you find out it's him. Yeah. And even yeah. then, obviously, you can't tell it's him by looking at him. But like, just, and it's just his his line deliveries. Even though you can't. Mm-hmm. Again, they, they filter his voice, so he's unrecognizable. Mm-hmm. But like the line deliveries are, are clearly him yeah i want to know just real quick i want to know how you get jj abrams to direct a star wars movie mm-hmm. and you know he brings in all his friends you know that's fine great how does he not bring in lance fucking reddick like and yeah. you know i know he just left us he'd be like come on man lance reddick yeah. in a star wars give me that you know so yeah. anyways uh possibly john wick might it might have been a clash of schedules but yeah oh, true I, true I, mm-hmm. I Okay, uh, we're into round nine. Uh, bear in mind there are 11 films, so we have a top 10 and then the worst of the worst. So <laughs> this is the penultimate of the top 10. Dan, mm-hmm. what is it for you? Uh, for me, it is Solo. It is Solo. Uh, so this is our chance to talk about Solo, um, which is highest on my list, but I've only watched it the once. I found it lightweight. I will say that, but I had a thoroughly good time and couldn't think of any specific major flaws with it. Um, Because again, it was introducing known characters, albeit within their younger selves, and a few new ones bolstered out by people you like to see acting, like Woody Harrelson and Paul Bettany, who is British, Mm -hmm. um, and Amelia Clarke, who is British. I'd say more about it, but I don't remember a lot about it. So it is lowest on Dan's list. So uh, take the floor. Yeah, and that's honestly why it's lowest on my list. I don't dislike this movie at all. There's a lot of fun stuff here, but it's just kind of here. (laughs) It just kind of exists. Um, Like, I don't need to know the secret origin of how Han got his last name. I don't necessarily need to know why he has the pair of dice on the 
rearview mirror of the Falcon. I don't need to know why the Falcon has that little bit missing in the front. It felt like this is a movie that was set up purely to answer questions nobody was asking. That said, there's some really cool stuff here. Obviously, Donald Glover steals every single scene he's in. Yes. Donald Glover is phenomenal as Lando in this movie. I hope, I hope they're able to make something work with him with Disney+. Plus. I know they're trying. And I know he wants to. So I'm hoping they can make it happen. Uh, because he is wonderful as as young Lando, like like he is channeling Billy D, without aping him, which is tougher to do than it sounds. Um, and he's just doing a wonderful job in his interaction with um, Fleabag. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm blanking on the <laughs> Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Waller-Bridge, that was it. Is wonderful. Um, I love, I love that Lando is in love with his droid. <laughs> I do. I, I absolutely dig it. And, um, you know, Phoebe's is just, as that character is, is fantastic. I love it. And other than that, like, you know, Woody Harrelson's great in a role that won't surprise you. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it, you know, it's like, it's totally damning with faint praise, but like that whole crew was great. I mean, there's one, Tandy Newton. I love Tandy Newton. I wish she had more to do. John Favreau, obviously, you know, I'm, you know, if this is the scene that brought him to Disney Plus, then bra fucking vo. But and, and he's he's very likable as as the pilot. And Alton Ehrenreich does a passable job. He sounds like a young Harrison Ford. I wish his career had kicked on a bit more from this. It has character. Yes, yes, he's he's done a little bit more since then. So so good for him. Because before. Solo, um, he was in the Coen Brothers uh, movie, whose name temporarily escapes me, but I did see it. Hail Caesar, it was called. Mm. Oh, I never saw I, know, I meant to watch that. I never got to see that one. I liked it. But the, the general consensus was, yeah, it's fine. You might like it. I'm like, yeah, I definitely did like it. And he was cast as an actor who primarily did westerns, but was being like groomed to do more serious stuff. And there's a mm-hmm. very famous scene between him being coached by his director, Ray Fiennes, uh, mm-hmm. to do Wood for It Were So Simple. And he's like, Wood for It Were So Simple. And they go over it like 30 times <laughs> in a row. <laughs> and uh, I think it was memed, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll look out for more of his stuff, certainly. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, to, to get way off track. I mean, the, I will watch pretty much anything the Coen Brothers do, but I especially love it when they do comedy. Mm. So I do recommend I, Hail Caesar. I liked it, even yeah. if other people didn't. But to get back to yeah, there's nothing wrong with this movie. Nothing at all. I like it fine. Something has to be number nine, and this is it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike, it was also kind of mid-table for you. What were your thoughts? This is the very first time I've seen so. Right. It's also the only Star Wars movie I've never seen in the cinema. Um, and that wasn't by design. I intended to, and I just never got around to it. You know, I didn't feel like it was crucial, must-see cinema, uh, cinema viewing experience. But so maybe what I'm saying here is more recency bias, and that's kind of why I put it at number six, sort of like just comfortably in the middle there. And I agree with everything Dan said. You know, I... You know, I didn't need the origin of all these things. How Han got his, what do we find out? That his blaster is actually a, a, a taken apart sniper rifle, I think is what it is. 
or maybe mm-hmm. that's the maybe it was different. But you know, we didn't need all that. But I enjoyed what was here. We'll say, you know. Um, and I'm sorry, you guys were just talking about him. What's his name that plays solo? Aaron. Aaron Reg. Okay, I there's a shot real early on. It's after I think yeah, it's after the chase, and he's walking into somewhere, and we see him from behind. And he's he's walking exactly like Harrison Ford walks as Han Solo. And I was like, I'm in. Like, that was the moment where I was like, I was willing to go with it. I'm like, you know, you can't de-age Harrison Ford, you know, to, to do this part. You know, so let's get someone in to play this part. That that didn't bother me at all. But when I saw him from behind and I could see the physicality, like what he was doing, I'm like, okay, this is Han Solo and we can go from there. And you know, to, to kind of paraphrase or potentially quote Dan here, it's a perfectly fine movie. You know, it really is. But, you know, when I eventually rewatch this one, it's absolutely going to be for Lando. That's, that's what I'm going to come back for, you know? Well, and, 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 and the droid sequence. I mean, I do love the, I do love her being like a, a, a pro droids rights activist <laughs> and Lando just being like, Oh, not this shit again. <laughs> like he agrees with her, I assume, but he's just tired of hearing it, you know? <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's fine. I think my, my, my biggest takeaway is there are heists in this movie, but if you're going to do a Han Solo movie, why isn't it a big heist movie? Why isn't this rogues or oceans 11? Like we, we get a couple of scenes here and there, but I want one big heist. Where we, yeah. I, I want the heist tropes. I want the planning. Mm-hmm. And then you see it and it goes, Oh, oh, it went sideways. It didn't go like the planning said it would, you know, and I just, I see what they were trying to do. I see the trilogy they could have potentially set up with this and we'll probably never get. I appreciate everything that's here. I like it. Just very middle of the road Star Wars for me. So, you know, yeah. And I think that it's saying something too that this is the only Star Wars movie I don't have on my shelf. Mm hmm. You know, and again, it's not because I dislike it. It's just mm-hmm. I just I've never been compelled to to get it. Mm-hmm. Although, and I don't want to give him short shrift. Paul Bettany is really good. Yeah, in this, mm-hmm. really good. He's a really good bad guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Mike, what's his number nine on your list? The Rise of Skywalker. The Rise of Skywalker. That's his strike T for the Rise of Skywalker. Is it going to be strike three for me? No. I've gone with Attack of the Clones. So, round ten. Dan, what is it? Uh, The Phantom Menace. The Phantom Menace. The first of the prequel trilogy, 1999. Mike, you're number ten. The Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace. And... Triple threat. My number 10 is also the Phantom Menace. Uh, one point each. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Well, there's no obvious person to start with, really. <laughs> Dan, let's go with you. This is another movie. I don't dislike Phantom Menace. In fact, I probably, I like it a lot more. I mean, I think that in terms of what are the best movies, this is number 10. If we were doing what, like, what do you like? This is square in the middle. Although for me, admittedly, a lot of that is just tied up with 1999 was a really fun year to be a Star Wars fan. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that accompanied this movie that was really fun and really exciting. The movie itself, not so great. It's got some 
great actors in it that are giving very bland performances. <laughs> we kind of get to see that George Lucas is... I, I, I can't take credit for this. Somebody else pointed this out. Where, like, you're getting full 30-second sequences of, like, landing gear deploying <laughs> when, a, when, a, when a ship touches down. You know, where, you know he's, he's more interested in the technology he's using than in the story he's telling. But for the most part, like, Darth Maul is fantastic. The last half hour of this movie is absolute uncut, pure Star Wars. And I will go to my grave telling people that. The pod racing sequence is pretty fun. It's just that this is a movie that didn't need to happen at all. Yeah. Like, very little happens in this movie that actually progresses the story of Anakin Skywalker becoming Darth Vader. And that's a huge, a huge problem with this movie. Yeah, I think it exists primarily to introduce you to young Obi-Wan and Anakin. You could have done it, and I think you said as much when you reviewed the film back in the day, you could have cut out The Phantom Menace and just started with Attack of the Clones, Mm -hmm. in which uh, Anakin was already the Padawan of Obi-Wan. So... Yes, it would deny us Liam Neeson's Qui-Gon Jinn, but it would also deny us Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. <laughs> who appears ten minutes into the film and uh, unhappily stays around for mo- the majority of the rest of it. Mm-hmm. The trivia point is that uh, you also get uh, a young Kira Knightley as playing mm-hmm. the actual Queen. Uh, for decoy for Natalie Portman's character. And you really can't tell. It does help that she is painted up bright white, so it would be difficult. But uh, fun trivia, nonetheless. Uh, Brian Blessed is the Gungan king. Gungan's alive. <laughs> and I, I think the pod racing is a monumental... Um, waste of time i mean yeah. it's there to sell the n64 game and yeah. as an n64 owner yeah it was all right as a game but not one that's gonna hold your attention more than a month but uh there you go the thing that struck me about this viewing of the phantom menace is that the ending sequence is all happening in the palace of naboo why does the palace of naboo have a kind of spaceship laser door massive tunnel hatch thing for Darth Maul to be sliced into two and fall down into. Well, because that seems going to be in the Phantom Menace game for the PS1. Well, yes, but in terms of palace architecture, I don't understand. But there we go. You know, sci-fi, it's a galaxy long ago. Far away. Yeah. Mike, Phantom Menace. Uh, before I get into my full thoughts here, I want to talk about uh, Kira Knightley. Like the only times I can really tell it's her as the queen is if I look in the background and you can see Natalie Portman trying not to be noticed. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like okay, there's Natalie Portman really, really, really trying to like hide in the hood yeah. so you don't understand that that's a decoy and not the not really who sh- who should be there. So I just wanted to it's say that the f- it's the first Austin Powers thing because. When uh, Mike Myers is in his Doctor Evil uh, makeup with Austin Powers, like in his lair, 
they've got some guy as posing as Austin in the background, and he it almost looks like he's got a beard. It's like they're not even mm. trying to hide. It's not Mike Myers. <laughs> <laughs> Which they tightened up for the rest of the trilogy, but there you go. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Trilogy. I Jesus. know, <laughs> I know. Um, so D- Dan had said, like, about 1999 being a great year to be a Star Wars fan. Literally last night on Twitter, um, something got retweeted into my feed. I don't remember who tweeted it, let alone who retweeted it into my feed. Um, and it was the trailer. Uh, the original Phantom Menace trailer. Um, and it was like, what was it like seeing this in 1999? And I retweeted it saying, so cool in all caps, mm-hmm. because it was so fucking cool to see that trailer. You know, what trailer was this movie attached to? Like Meet Joe Black or something? Meet no. Joe Black and the Waterboy. Yeah. Like I was one of those people that bought a ticket for Meet Joe ba- Black, saw the trailer and walked out. I don't even know if I asked for a <laughs> refund. I legit don't know because I wanted, I saw it on, I, you know, a little AOL dial up. I saw it, downloaded the trailer and saw it and oh my God, you know, but I definitely wanted to see it in the big screen and I did. And so again, this is another one we're trying to separate out the emotion from you know, the, 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 looking at it critically. And this movie's, I don't get, I really don't get a lot of the hate for this movie. Not, not that either of you are spewing hate for this movie at all. I'm talking about like generally, you know, it's, 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 it's not clearly not the best Star Wars movie. And that last 30 minutes is just so fucking epic, you know, and it, it does drag. It can definitely be boring. The, the, the pod racing thing, it's great visually. But it didn't need to be how long it was. No. But, you know, I, I like what they're doing with, with Qui-Gon, you know, with, with, with young Obi-Wan. I dig that. Um, do we need to meet Anakin as a precocious little five-year-old? No, we don't technically don't need to, but it's fine for what it is. I don't know. I, I really, I really don't know what else I want to say about this one ultimately do you need it? No. And I know what's it called? The machete order. Is that what it's called? Yeah. You know, it, it completely, pardon the pun here. It chops out this movie. Mm-hmm. This, when you do that movie order, it's star Wars empire, the other two prequels, and then Jedi. And that's it. You, they, they flat out say you really don't need this one. And you don't, this is in a lot of ways, inessential star Wars viewing, but there's, there's just, there is good stuff here. And I don't, I, I don't want people to overlook it because it can be slow because it wears its politics on its sleeve because you don't like Jar Jar or whatever. You know, there's there's good stuff in here. It's low on my list, but it's still good stuff in here. The lightsaber duel is as epic as you remember it being. Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't. And duel the Fates is one of the best Star Wars themes. It really is. It is. Wait, it's Duel like, of the Fates is that what it's called? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like one of the best things that John Williams did for the franchise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, you talk about the trailer does also tie back to the Austin Powers trilogy. Um, for Oh, yeah, for yeah. Uh-huh. 1999 was also the year of uh, The Spy Who Shagged Me. And they did the, the breathing and panning in on the uh, a chair. It's like, oh, you were expecting someone else? If you're going to see a film this year, go see... Star Wars. But <laughs> if you're going to see two films this year, also watch Austin Powers. The Spy Who <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. Have to assume they were under the same studio. Um, okay. 
Well, with regards to that, it's our final pick of the rounds. I know what it's going to be by uh, process of elimination, but uh, just uh, for completeness sake, say what they are. Dan, what is it for you? Attack of the Clones. Mike, what is it for you? Attack of the Clones. Right, it's time to do Attack of the Clones, everyone. (laughs) No points from Mike, no points from Dan, two points from me. Because it's better than The Phantom Menace and the bottom of my list. So, I watched The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones back to back. Because I'm a glutton for punishment. And I much preferred Attack of the Clones. Partially because of everything that was said before. The Phantom Menace is basically something that you could completely skip. And therefore, if you do then you look at the interaction between Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen. And again, they're being asked to play it very flat, and they do. But uh, there's a lot more in terms of action and a lot less in terms of sequences that are kind of superfluous. Because I know that people very much don't like the courtship between Anakin and Padme, for good reason, but those scenes are actually a lot shorter than people remember. And it's kind of interspersed with Kenobi going all intergalactic spy and learning the truth about the Clone Wars and then uh, tracking down one Count Dooku, a.k.a. uh, former Ha subject Christopher Lee. And um is it not excellent to see Christopher Lee as a Sith? Yes, it is. And uh is it not excellent to see Christopher Lee as a Sith engage in a lightsaber battle with Yoda? Yes, it is. <laughs> and it ends off, okay, well, the Clone War is going to begin. And again, I didn't bother watching the TV series, so I... The Clone War means nothing to me, Oviena. But I thought that this film was a lot better than I remembered it, and if I was going to directly compare it to The Phantom Menace, uh, a shade above. And hence it was ranked accordingly. Neither of you agree, so uh, let's start with Mike. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Um... I don't know. I really don't know what to say about Attack of the Clones. I really appreciate what Lucas was trying to do here. I do. Earlier, I had said of Hayden Christensen, like, his acting is not the best. But, Dan, you're right to point out that Lucas wants wooden, you know. But I do enjoy the sequence in the elevator between Obi-Wan and Anakin. Just sort of bantering off each other as master-student, almost brothers, Mm -hmm. you know. I do enjoy little moments like that, but... I really don't buy into the relationship with Padme, you know, I, and that's, that's no one's fault, you know, beyond George Lucas, I think. Yeah. I'm, I'm really at a loss for words as to what to to say about this movie. I think all I'll add really is, yeah, when little Yoda shows up, you know, at the end there and he pops the saber, I definitely in the theater, you know, threw my fist in the air and lost my shit. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I definitely did. I we're getting Yoda as a lightsaber, and he's whooping around, and oh my god, this is awesome, you know. But, 
Yeah, I mean, I just, I just, I just watched this one, and I'm not even really remembering that much of it. If I'm telling the truth, so I, 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 I hate to give it short shrift, but I, I just kind of have to back away from this one a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can't really disagree. I mean, of all the Star Wars movies, I think this is the only one that I actively don't enjoy. Is it the worst movie ever made? Of course not. But there's really nothing in this movie, with a couple of very small fleeting exceptions, that I really kind of latch onto to any extent at all. It's just kind of happening. Um the complete lack of chemistry between Christensen and Portman is a real problem. You know, we're supposed to believe that he is completely like going against everything that he's ever worked for and believed because he's in love with this person that they, they, that he, he actually was clearly not in love with the romance scenes are really just very uncomfortable to watch. They're really tough to watch. Not least of which, because Anakin is being creepy just incredibly creepy. And I can't, you know, take, you know, say that, oh, this is great insight on my part. Like, again, Red Letter very much pointed out that, you know, she very much says, you are making me uncomfortable, stop it. And he doesn't. There is no reason why she would return his affection based on the what he's doing and how he's behaving. Most of the action sequences don't do it for me. The, like, the, 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 the big, fight scene in the arena at the end with all the Jedi versus all the Genotians and all the big monsters. No, nothing. It doesn't move the needle for me at all. I will say that Jango Fett is fun. I think that, again, Ewan McGregor is doing a great job with what little he's given. The kind of guitar grenades <laughs> are, are amazing. Just that little half second of silence before the shockwaves hits the screen is, is really cool, like a really well thought out detail. But yeah, this movie, I, I like, and I, and I don't, I'm not joking when I say this. I actually do mean this. If we had included the holiday special in our list, Attack of the Clones would still have come in last for me. Wow. Because, be, because the holiday special, if nothing else, has the Boba Fett cartoon and a couple of the sketches have that what the fuckery about them that gives me some entertainment value for them. You know, you know, <laughs> itchy writhing around his masturbatorium <laughs> at least makes me go, what the hell is happening right now in a way that nothing in Attack of the Clones gives me any feedback at all. Honestly, Harvey Corman cooking. Yeah, well, Harvey Corman cooking can, can fuck right the fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> whisk, whisk, stir, whisk, whisk, stir. But you know, B. Arthur, <laughs> B. Arthur, just trying to get everybody the fuck out of her bar. <laughs> yeah, and and again, I say that not to be you know you're you. I'm just dropping truth bombs over here. You can't handle it, Internet. It's I, I legitimately just have that little time for this movie. I just I just I just don't like it. I see, I see. Okay, um well to finish everything off, uh we come to my uh bottom of the list, which is the rise of Skywalker. Oh boy, this is a mess. This is a production sized mess that I do not like. 
and um, I will put what I know, there's in every movie you've watched, Fred, on uh, Earth Two uh, forums. Um, I don't do that so as not to give away my uh, podcasting content. So I've done uh, the equivalent on the oratory. So I'll just uh, read verbatim what I put up there. Who boy. This course correction is all kinds of disappointing. Rose, fuck her screen time. Raise a normal player on the grand stage. Fuck that. She's now a descendant of the big evil. Consistency for Hux and Kylo Ren. Fuck that. Let's bring back the dead major villain and Lando and tease an original character dying in the same film that they had to address Carrie Fisher's shoot death. And let's introduce more characters played by J.J. Abrams' favourites, which goes back to the Rose issue. And that disingenuous lesbian kiss issue, hyped up by a press release, but brief enough to be cut out of versions distributed in international markets which deplore homosexuality. And with an ending that is generally bullshit. Ugh, not a fan. So that was my state of mind when I rewatched this film three weeks ago. Not a fan. I thought it was a grave disservice to the film that came before. Um, and that is due to the cold feet of the internet reaction to The Last Jedi, which I think is rather shameful. But uh, that is my stall as was set out. Who's got it highest? Let's pick you out. Um, Dan, you have it at number mm-hmm. eight. Yeah, I can't disagree with anything you're saying right now, Ian. A big part of the issue with this movie is that it was trying to back away from some of the stuff that Ryan Johnson was trying to bring into the trilogy. Mm. And some of the louder voices on the internet had an issue with. I am, I, like, it, it's absolutely shameful what they did to Rose. Mm-hmm. Absolutely fucking shameful. Fox should be ashamed of itself for giving in to some of the more obnoxious Star Wars fans about Rose. I liked Rose great. I I, I did. I liked Rose a lot. I have no understanding why people had the issue with you other than the obvious reasons, which, you know, are awful. Yeah, it, it really just felt like there was a laundry list of things that the studio decided well, the fans don't like that, so we're going to pretend it didn't happen or, or retcon it or what have you. There was stuff in here that I did like. I liked that it brought the 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 main three of the of the sequel trilogy together again, which was fun. We got to see Ben Solo as opposed to Kylo Ren. Like that little shrug he gives before he's about to fight the Knights of Ren, that is pure Han Solo. Like, and I love that. That's just such a little thing that I pop so hard every time I see that. But I, yeah, you know, I do like it more than the other, you know, you, either of you, but that doesn't mean that it's great. You know, it, for me, a lot of the issues that I have with Return of the Jedi, I also have with Rise of Skywalker. It's a movie that doesn't hold together very well, but has certain individual things that I like quite a bit. All hail Babu Freak. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Mike? 
Much like The Last Jedi, I think the last 45 minutes of this movie, and I'm not just plucking that number out. I looked at the timer. It's for both of them. The last 45 minutes of this movie are solid movies, Mm -hmm. you know? But what comes before that in this one really doesn't hold my interest. Dan, you speak of Harrison Ford in Return of the Jedi, just looking bored out of his mind. Mm -hmm. Here, John Boyega looks beyond unhappy to be here. Oh, he's checked out. I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe that's me, but like, he, yeah, he looks pissed. He's given interviews since that he was very unhappy with what happened to his character. Yeah, I mean, in the, the marketing of the first of the sequel trilogy, it looks like he might be this a, a stormtrooper turned Jedi. Oh my god, you know. And then they don't go that route. And yeah, I mean, th- what they do with his character was shameful. You know, and what happened with 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 Rose, as you said, Dan, is fucking terrible. You know what they did to? And I'm sorry, what's the actor's name? John Blaze Rose. Oh, no, oh, oh Rose, Kelly Marie Tran. Yeah, what they did to her was terrible. But John Boyega went through a lot of shit, too. Yeah. You know, I think he even temporarily deleted social media, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong. Yeah. But so it's not – with Harrison Ford being bored, that's one thing. John Boyega being angry and completely unhappy, that's another thing. And I don't blame him. Mm-hmm. It's But I can't get past it, if that makes sense. You know, I don't mind the mystery box element in um, The Force Awakens. When it comes to the, um, and now what am I forgetting? There's a mystery box. Yeah, the lightsaber. I thought there was something else that there was a mystery box in there. Maybe I'm wrong. But here, the whole wayfinder thing, I'm like, G.J. Abrams, cut it with this shit. Mm -hmm. Cut it with this shit. I'm tired of that shit. You know? Like, I get it. You need to get the wayfinder. Go over here. It's a quest. Blah, 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 blah. I don't care. I'm just tired by that point. And frankly, we cannot look past somehow Palpatine's return. It's, yeah, that is just super lazy. It's a meme. Like, no, it's like yeah. somehow Palpatine I, survived. Yeah. I I have no problem with Palpatine returning from the dead. I don't. And that's not because I've read the books and the comics where he's cloned and da-da-da-da-da. I don't care. If you want to bring Palpatine back, sure. Then he's been the villain of this entire trilogy of trilogies. I'm down with that. But give me more than somehow Palpatine's returned mm-hmm. and oh yeah, he's just got some clones sitting around here and, you know, Ray's, what, Ray's dad is technically a clone of Palpatine? Is that what we're supposed to think? I'm not even sure. I it was raised think so because we got to see him yeah. in the flashback yeah. scene and that, that wasn't Ian McDermott. That was in, that was a different yeah, scene. I think they, the but parents first, were meant to be descendants. Um Okay. And you know, hid Ray um, to yeah. to make sure that she wasn't found. But okay. again, you know, where, where where have we heard that before? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I, I, it's really hard for me to get past those elements to enjoy what's here. I do enjoy stripped down. Um, Kylo Ren going back to being Ben Solo. He's out of the armor or he tries to put that helmet back on and it's ridiculous, but that's kind of a point mm-hmm. because he's trying so hard. He really wants to be Kylo Ren. He's trying so hard, but that's not what his fate is. And by the end, when he's just in the all black outfit and he's running around and before he does the shrug, he even does the no look behind the back shot like Han does once or twice. So he's finally given in to being his father's son. The, the thing that he's really pushed back against, you know, um, I enjoy the struggle 
with between you know Ray thinking she killed Chewbacca and using Force lightning, you know. I and so I enjoy the struggle with her. That is this one, right? Yeah, that's this one. And uh, uh, you know, is she going to turn to the dark side? Well, no, she's not. It's the final movie. <laughs> We're too late. We're beyond that point. It's not going to happen. But her trying to bring Ben Solo back out of Kylo Ren, I'm there for that. But I, it, it's a real struggle for me to get through a lot of the other elements to enjoy what's there. But it's still higher on my list than Attack of the Clones because, sorry, I just don't enjoy Attack of the Clones as much. So, yeah. not to not to further crap on that. One. <laughs> I mean, I don't think there is a more inconsistently written character than Ben Solo because mm-hmm. I understand he is the the kind of Vader stand-in, and again, Vader gets redeemed at the end of things. But I think it's reflected in the relationship he has with uh, Donald Gleason's Hux. Mm-hmm. Because Hux is outright evil in the first film. Evil in the second film, yet made to be subservient to Kylo Ren towards the end of The Last Jedi. And then he's helping out the Resistance because he hates... Kylo Ren, and he gets shot by Richard E. Grant. He's like, fucking what? Um, <laughs> and then it's just like, bear in mind, you've got to go a long way to the fact that this guy, he killed Han Solo. Like, the, one of the most beloved Star Wars characters ever. It's just like, and then he goes down into doing his best to murder the fuck out of Luke Skywalker. And at the end of this film, it's just like, I'm going to change my tune, I'm going to snog Ray, and then I'm going to die. It's just mm-hmm. like, it's very unsatisfactory. I think the redemption arc is bad. Yeah. It's like missing so many steps. And, again, whatever you think about shipping Finn with Ray, which I know some people have, I'm irritated that they never kind of nail it with regards mm-hmm. to what we're meant to think about their relationship and, as I say, how it relates into the lack of screen time for some of our other favourite characters. Uh, rubbish. Mm-hmm. Felicity, from J.J. Abrams' Felicity, is in the, the <laughs> film. Again, robbing screen time from Rose <laughs> and others. Um, yeah. Anything? She's fine. Bueller? Bueller? <laughs> no. no. Okay, yeah. then. Right then. So that is uh, The Rise of Skywalker. I have now compiled the master list of the 11 Star Wars films that we have talked upon. Therefore... Going from the top to the bottom. At the top of our list, with 29 points, is The Empire Strikes Back. At number two, on 24 points, is Star Wars. A new hope. At number three, on 21 points, is Rogue One. A Star Wars story. And then, two points below, we have a joint fourth of Return of the Jedi... And The Last Jedi. And then, literally one point below, at number six, we have The Force Awakens. And then, at 
13 points, we have Solo, a Star Wars story. At number 8, another point below on 12, is Revenge of the Sith. And then there's a bit of a dip. At number 9, we have The Rise of Skywalker. Take that. At uh, 5 points, The Phantom Menace at number 10 has 3 points. And at the bottom of the list, at number 11... Attack of the Clones with two points. As it should be. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there is our list. I will say it is looking very much like Mike has called at least the bottom half almost to a T. But um, mm-hmm. in any case, um, that, that is our ranking of Star Wars films. So, um, I mean, I rewatched all of them. Um, apart from Solo, which I was watching for the first time for this. Did you do a lot of rewatching? And if so, are you glad to have uh, revisited this franchise that you love so much? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I rewatched all of them. Uh, in the case of Solo, like I said, this was my first viewing. Um, and I watched them in a, I referenced it earlier, in a revised machete yes. order. I did, I did them in order Solo, Rogue One, Star Wars, Empire, then the prequel trilogy, then I did Jedi, and then I did the sequel trilogy. And that was a very fascinating viewing experience, um, as opposed to doing them in release order or anything else. This was the first time I had attempted something like that, and it really worked for me because it gave me this idea of this, starting with Solo, this really dark, broken world. I keep saying that, but it is what it is. You know, and then building up to, you know, the Star Wars movies and then we flash back and then we come to Jedi and we see Anakin redeemed as much as you can redeem a guy who killed children, you know, and then we see how it gets finished out with the sequel trilogy. So, yeah, completely rewatched them and in a brand new order for me. I really enjoyed the chance to do that. Dan? Uh, I actually just did this pretty much for memory. I watched A New Hope not that long ago. I want to say maybe a month or two ago. Uh, other than that, it has been a minute since I watched any of these movies. Um, oh, sorry, buddy. <laughs> My dog just tried to jump on the couch. And failed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I did not rewatch these for this, although I, a lot of that is because I've been watching a lot of the Disney Plus content recently. And so I, I have been kind of like, that's kind of been my Star Wars needs fulfilled for a bit. But it, it, you know, if nothing else, I will admit that this, if this conversation has maybe definitely want to go back and rewatch, if nothing else, the sequel trilogy again, um, because I, I do generally, the first two of those movies are like among my favorite Star Wars movies. Although I did uh, finish playing Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga, not that long ago. Okay. Which is just, uh, it's just a fantastic game. So much fun. And it really kind of injects so much of what's good about these movies into the game. I don't know about you, Ian, but Mike, I know that you, you do some gaming and I know that like, this is something that you will enjoy quite a bit. Yeah, I actually, it's part of the uh, Game Pass. So okay. I have it downloaded. Okay. I have it downloaded. I just have not sat down to play it, but I am like chomping. I just need to make the damn time to play it. Yeah. I, I 100%ed it. Mm-hmm. Which is something I nice. never do. I never yeah. do that. Yeah, I've, I'm i aware of uh, the spin that Lego puts on cult movie franchises. So mm-hmm. I've, I've played like some uh, Batman Lego games and 
things like mm. that. Um, might have had a try at Star Wars at some point. Can't remember if Pandy has it or someone else, but um, I, I very much take your word for it. And also, Mike, if I can reassure you that Baby Yoda is fine. <laughs> <laughs> he is just great. Don't worry about Baby Yoda. He is going to be fine. I would strongly advise you to enjoy the TV shows. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. You'll see Sasha Banks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true. Mm-hmm. That is true, yeah. But like, also, like Andor is really good, and Kenobi's fan phenomenal. Yeah, no, I really do want to want to get into them, um, and I will. It's just again making the time, you know. Like, I still haven't watched a different franchise, but any of Picard. Like, I've seen the first episode ever of Picard, and that's it. Yeah. So it's just it's just making the time. That's right. all. Exactly. Lovely. And um, we are recording this a few weeks after. Uh, very unhelpfully. Uh, it was announced that there'll be a whole new slate of new <laughs> Star Wars filmic content coming out there, with uh, at the very least uh, Daisy Ridley coming back uh, to yes. do some stuff. I've not read into it very much, but I think I saw like nine images or something like that, so mm-hmm. um, it may well be that we have to do a redux of this at some point. But are you generally happy that Star Wars continues to have a life. Yeah. Yeah, I was just the other day thinking about how the Star Wars franchise has passed me by, mm-hmm. meaning I don't know what actors are in it. I don't know what's going on in the shows, and I am so happy for that. You know, that it's it's gone beyond my fandom and found brand new fans. And I'm, I'm genu- genuinely happy that Star Wars is still out there and it's going to continue to be out there for a long, long fucking time. In a long, long fucking galaxy far away. (laughs) Exactly. Lovely stuff. Before we go, um, what is there to plug? Dan, yours is the more obvious. Yeah, I, uh, right now, most of my podcasting, almost all of my podcasting time is being taken up with uh, Channel 37's Midnight Movie Show, which, if you haven't uh, listened to it, is a podcast that celebrates B-movies. Uh, specifically kind of the movies that kind of lived on late night television when that was kind of still a thing. Uh, you know, <laughs> when there was sort of a, this is where these movies go. <laughs> uh, kind of your USA up all night, your, uh, you know, independent TV stations, 2 a.m. schedule filler kind of, of movies. And uh, finding these movies that we actively enjoy, and I am fortunate enough to have uh, Mike as, as part of that, along with uh, some other some other fine <laughs> Earth tours. <laughs> and I'm hoping, hint, hint, to uh, bring in a few more people to kind of uh, sit in a sort of uh, revolving chair at some point that I'm hoping other people on this recording will uh, will take part in at some point. Ah. And that's kind of the first time I've said that out loud. So yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> I literally am. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We've already done Phantom of the Paradise, so I'm not sure what good I'm going to be to you. But um... <laughs> well, figure something out. Okay, fine. Uh, Mike, you're not doing anything else, are you? No, no. not really. <laughs> Everything Dan said. Right now, if you want to hear me, that's really where you get to hear me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I have a couple of episodes of the show in the can. Um, of Earth 2.net the show, that is. But, uh, yeah, just, just gotta release them, you know. So that's, that's really it. So that's it. That's yeah. me. 
Uh, well, I suppose this counts. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you both for joining me for this uh, edition of the Flick Chart Forum. And uh, until next time, cheerio. <laughs> Email address is the show at earth2.net. That's the show at earth the number two.net. Our voicemail line is 513 Earth 20. That's 513 327 8420. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, we're at earth underscore two. That's earth underscore the number two. Please visit the website www.earth2.net. That's www.earth-the-number-two.net. While you're there, on the left-hand side of the page, you'll see a link that says Forums. Click it and join the forums, please. If you enjoy what we're doing and would like to support Earth2.net and Earth2.net this show, there are several things you can do. First, make sure to tell your friends about Earth2.net and all of our podcasts. Second, go to iTunes to leave us positive feedback. Third, you can become a patron of the show by visiting patreon.com slash earth underscore two. That's patreon.com slash earth underscore the number two. And lastly, donations in any denomination can be made by heading over to paypal.me slash earth two. That's paypal.me slash earth the number two. There are no spaces, dashes, or underscores. Just earth and the number two. Until next time, good night. (laughs) 